Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a crazy night of sports. RSL in the rain and the wind, somehow finding a way to get the victory. And beat Houston 2-1 to and move into fifth place in the Western Conference. The Dodgers, they continue to hunt the Giants. An easy 9-0 win, and the Giants losing 12 to the Mets. The Mets owner ripping the team. Undisciplined. Hard to believe professional players can hit like this. And the Giants end up getting a 6-2 win. Now, I've read some game stories, and uh, Kevin Pillar wins it with a three-run homer in the 12th. But is your offense really... I mean, Steve Cohen tweets this out, so now I got owners tweeting stuff out, calling out their teams. But they only had two runs. <laughs> I mean, now they blow up in the 12th and they win, so I guess, you know, all's well that ends well. But it's not like they went off. They had two runs, and that got them to extra innings. So they get to the 12th, and then they win. They beat the Giants. So the Dodgers, only three games back of the Giants. And the team that loses, suddenly you're in a wild card game. Right now it's the Padres, but they got a ton of pitching injuries, and they're sliding, and they lost to the Rockies. They went 1-5 playing Arizona and Colorado, who are, you know, Colorado's was 14 games under 500 when that series started. Now they won all three. Arizona's 41 games under, and the Padres won one game. So they're kind of sliding. But, hey, if they get some pitching healthy, they got six weeks to get, five, six weeks to get guys healthy. You know, in a one-game thing, that, that's scary. That's Giants and Dodgers had a great season. Whoever's in that wild card, man, they're going to be nervous. Now they may win it in advance, and, heck, they could win it all. Teams won it all from the wild card, so it can happen. But I don't think you want to be in there. You don't want any part of that. And then some NBA news, the, um, the podcast. Everybody's in the media these days. So uh, Kevin Durant uh, does a podcast with Draymond Green and they decided to agree that the reason Durant left is because the Warriors coach and management coach and GM uh, mishandled their reaction to those two's argument now those two having an argument that's fine the fact that they didn't settle it with the team themselves that it kind of lingered that's on the coach and the GM and I suppose you're responsible everything when you're coaching GM so sure it is but Isn't it easier for someone else to say other than the two guys who, you know, could have fixed it themselves or could have not started it in the first place? How convenient. How convenient. All right, that's just some of what's going on in the world of sports. Uh, We have more stuff to get to. We are getting closer to the start of college football. The Utes and Weber State play two weeks from tonight. And uh, it is time now to hear from... The Utes, safety, Cole Bishop starts us off as Morgan Scally puts together a secondary with the help of Sharif Shah. Morgan, the defensive coordinator, we'll hear from him in a moment. But first, here's Cole Bishop. You know, it seems to be four guys for two spots, and you're in the mix. You know, what do you think has to happen here throughout the rest of camp for you to grab one of those spots? I think right now I'm just trying to work my hardest, whether, I mean, whether that's if I'm starting or on scout team or second string. I just really want to help the team as best as I can. What's the adjustment like coming from high school to here? How difficult has it been for you? Well, coming in in the spring really helped me get adjusted to things. I mean, whenever I first got here, everyone was bigger, faster, stronger, like everyone knows. And then defense was a little bit more complicated than high school, obviously. So then coming into the fall, I was a little bit more prepared, but it's still a lot different. So how much expectation did you have as far as playing time immediately as a freshman? 
Well, I had hopes that I'd get a good chance to play because, I mean, I knew Nate Ritchie was going on his mission and everything, so I had a lot of hopes to get some playing time, and I'm just trying to compete and help in whatever way I can. So how much did Ritchie's decision to go on a mission factor in your decision to come to here? Not much. I mean, it just it was good to know that I'd have an opportunity to play. I mean, I was coming for Coach Scally, whether that's if I'm playing as a freshman or a senior. I mean, I just wanted to get developed as a player. How about the fact that they traditionally play, oh, guys who start multiple years defensive backfield in Utah end up going to the NFL? It's pretty awesome. I mean, you can see from the statistics however many safeties in the past few years have gotten drafted, and that's just awesome. I mean, Coach Galley's development and the rest of the coaching staff's development of a player, even in as a man, it's really a big reason why people come here. How much did you know about the Utah program because you're coming from the other side of the country? Before I got offered, nothing. I had no idea about anything. And then once I got offered, I started looking into it, did some research, looked at all this. I mean, they'd send you graphics and stuff. I didn't get the chance to see it all in person. But just seeing the statistics of the people getting drafted and developed and Utah's statistics as a defensive pole and the rankings, it was just awesome to see. Were you surprised yourself that you ended up choosing Utah? Honestly, yes, because it was just so, my family was like, it was just so random. I mean, coming from Georgia, going all the way to Utah, just spontaneous. How about coaches and friends? Did they think you were nuts? Sorry, what? Coaches and friends, did they think you were nuts coming from all the way from Georgia? My friends were a little surprised whenever I, whenever I first started talking to them. I didn't, like I said, I didn't know much about Utah football, and one of my high school coaches was like, that's a really good defensive school, like, you should really consider it. So then started looking into it more than I was, and then really helped me out. So did anybody uh, help you as far as beyond your coach and your interest in Scally and your research? Any, anybody else get, have any factor in playing and deciding to come here? So obviously the Utah coaches and my mom and dad and brother really helped me just make my decision. I was worried about leaving so far from home, and they were really supportive of it. My high school coaches, my safety coach in high school, he coached at a pretty high-level high school that produced a lot of Division One talent, so he really helped me through the process, just learning things. And one of my trainers, Tristan Davis, he really helped me too because he played college football. So he was saying, he explained that no matter where you go in the country, you're not going to get to go home that much anyway. So you got to get used to it. How much of it was adjustment just personally when you first got here last year? Well, it was it was hard at first in January whenever I got here because I didn't really know too many people. And then once we started more instead of just like the workouts because you don't really get to talk to people that much but once you're here more often I mean everyone here is a family you can everyone sits together I mean there's no people that think they're better than anyone else everyone's a brother what do they tell you as far as playing time here this season now are you asking about near my recruitment no for now now that you've been you had this spring you've got training camp you guys what a couple weeks now mm -hmm. uh, sort of halfway through the training camp do you have any idea how much you'll get out on the field now is what i'm saying we still got a lot of not a ton of time but we still got time before the game i mean me a few of the other guys were all competing for the other safety spot i mean Vontae's there right now doing a great job so everyone's just competing to try to do their best how much do you feel like you have the scheme as far as being able to understand and not being overwhelmed like I said earlier, coming in the spring really helped me. I'm still young trying to get the experience of just route combinations and things like that, trying to get used to it, watching film as much as I can. Just getting used to it. You're aware Pac-12 has a reputation for putting a lot of receivers into the NFL. Yes, I was. One of my uh, good buddies in high school was a big Pac-12 fan, and he really told me that there was, the Pac-12 is known for airing the ball out a good bit. That's pretty cool to think about. There's Cole Bishop. Now, here's Utah defensive coordinator Morgan Scally. I wanted to get your thoughts on passing of John Pease. I know he was a mentor and a friend of you. Just, you know, reaction when you did that news. 
Man, that was tough. Um, amazing man. He's the Utah man. That's the guy right there. Uh, amazing mentor to me. I take a lot of my coaching style from John. He's a very, uh, when you talk about a player-oriented coach, it was all about the player, very humble, never took credit for anything. Um, I love him, I love Chris, his wife, uh, and his family, and uh, just can't say enough good things about him. I love that, love that dude. Anything specific that stands out to you when you were a young assistant coming up, trying to learn from him, who obviously had a lot of experience? Just his, his demeanor and his calm on game day. You know, he, he was a master at just ignoring the big play against you, right? And just the, the next play mentality. Um, he was just nails up there in the booth. You know, nothing phased him. And uh, I love that about him. Um, his calm with the players during, on game day, right? And so, again, just so much. I'd, I'd spend hours sitting here talking about him. But... Um, Love that family and my best to Chris and, and his entire family. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Uh, it was a tough one. I heard it right before practice and, uh, you know, took some time. Obviously, you know, you have to focus on the players uh, at that point. But afterwards, you know, we spent a lot of time in the defensive staff room just talking about memories. Memories about John Pease for, you know, the funny stuff. The He, he was always a guy that provided the laugh. Uh, I can remember, you know, being on a coach's retreat, Snowbird, early in the morning, 6 a.m., and we're going over, he's on the board, writing stuff down, and all of a sudden you hear this, this loud squealing from outside, and he stops mid-sentence and turns and says, well, it's either really, really good or really, really bad. He just, he provided the laugh. You know, he was, um, again, uh, a guy that taught me so much about preparation, about how to handle, you know, game day issues, and, and he was just the best. Right, obviously with this, this defense, they, they were a little inexperienced last year. You didn't have a lot of preparation for them. They still managed to do well. Led the, the pack what, what are you seeing this year that's maybe different now that they've had that preparation and that opportunity in the spring? Well, what you're doing is you're, you're not relying so much upon um, first day install, right? This is stuff that they know now, and now it's about disguising. It's about taking advantage of what you know about an offensive tendencies. When, when, when you're young, it's all about getting lined up correctly. It's alignment assignment football. And now with, with the vets that we have, now we're still young. We're still young in the secondary at least. Um, and young in a lot of different ways. We're young in the sense that we, we haven't even played in front of a crowd, you know, with some of these guys. So they're not used to the ebb and flow of the, of the, the good things that happen in a game and drawing off of a crowd and, or, you know, get, getting booed by the opposing crowd or the opposing crowd going nuts if you give up a play. So there's a lot that they have yet to experience. And, uh, you know, that's something that you can't really duplicate or replicate for and prepare them for until they, they experience it first thing. You mentioned that young secondary. You lose... Uh, Nate Ritchie, you lose R.J. Huber to an injury, got that other safety spot open. How's that, that battle coming along? It's great. You know, the addition of uh, McKinney, uh, Brandon's done a great job. He was coached up well at the University of Washington. 
Uh, you, you look at the strides that both Cole Bishop and Kamo Ilatu have made. Vontae Davis is a seasoned vet back there. Uh, you know, Darian Stewart at the free safety spot is, is making some good strides. So we feel like we've got the depth at that position. And then at the, at the corner spot, those guys have all come back. You know, Elisha Lloyd really is the only brand new addition that you have to the secondary there. So Jatravis Broughton, um, you know, and again, with Clark and with Kane and some of these guys that just haven't experienced that game day reaction to the crowd, that they're the ones that are going to have to get that experience. What Brandon brought to the room in terms of his leadership? He, he, he's obviously played in a bunch of games, played in a Rose Bowl. What has he brought to the room? Well, like I said, he was coached well. He was coached well at the University of Washington. He knows how to prepare, uh, very mature about, you know, studying film and mature also about coming in and kind of, you know, letting the guys get a, a feel for him before, you know, trying to assert himself. He is a leader, but he's also had to, you know, take some time to gain the trust of the guys in the room. He's done that. Very smart, heady football player that can play both the free and the strong. That helps sometimes, um, you know, with with newcomers it's either okay we got to lock him in at the free spot or the strong safety spot he's a guy that athletically and mentally can handle both so that's huge for us how's that spot coming along uh really good you know again uh van fillinger and xavier carlton you've got uh jonah ellis who's in there as well that you know we're kind of tinkering with at the stud spot at the end spot um, so we've definitely got guys that are no longer first-year guys that we're dealing with. Um, and they've got different skill sets. Mika's a little bit more explosive off the edge, but you know both Van and X use their length to their advantage. Uh, Long-levered guys that, that do a great job with technique. So uh, we're excited for that group. And I know I haven't listed everybody, but we feel, we feel pretty good about that position. What does the uh, Calvert brothers bring to, you, uh, bring to you, Ethan and Josh? Well, two different, two different. You know, one's a transfer from Washington, who again, a lot, a lot like Brandon, very good coaching. You know, you can tell early on he he understood concepts. Uh, Ethan is a heck of an athlete, freshman. Uh, he is a quick learner. He he was coached well in high school. Both of them tough as nails, and uh, very humble, quiet. You know, that's something that we got to get out of them. You know, you can be quiet. In, you know, in the locker room and in the in the film room, but dang it, you better speak up out here. Got to be able to communicate. So both of them have a, a great skill set, and uh, we're we're happy to have them a part of the program. Kyle said the offense won on Saturday. What, what do you feel? Like, I mean, obviously had some ones held out, but what do you feel like your your defense needs to do to and maybe step up their game, or was that honestly just the offense just having a great day? Oh, okay. You're talking about the scrimmage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Oh, well, you know, uh, situational work, right? And so um, red zone was not, in my opinion, a positive for us. You know, the red zone work, two-minute work, uh, understanding, you know, depth changes, right? Every game is, is made up of different situations and understanding how an offense may change depending on that situation. Uh, too many you know, uh, unforced errors, giving them first downs off, jumping off sides, um, you know, just not understanding the situation. So really it's the situational work, you know, that, that we really got to be able to tie things down and, and, and understand in each of these situations, what are we thinking about? Paul says he's seen some aspects of the 2019 team in this team. From a defensive perspective, do you see that? Uh, I definitely see it in the leadership. I definitely see it in the front seven. The secondary is still untested. 
And so that's kind of the question mark right there. I mean, you're talking about a pretty darn good secondary with, with Blackman and Burgess and Jalen Johnson. So these guys haven't really proven uh, anything yet other than they're, they're, they're willing and they're athletic enough. We're, we're excited about them. But again, you know, they're still untested. Morgan, is RJ out for the season or is there some chance that he could be able to play later? I never say never, you know, just because, you know, the situation we're, we're in with uh, the red shirt changing and you have four games and this and that, you just never know. And how guys progress with their injuries, they give you a diagnosis, but some sometimes kids' bodies start feeling better. And Anyway, he's doing the best he can in terms of getting getting back to it. So, coaches really love their phrases a lot of times, right? Are there any from John Pease that you remember that you still kind of hold on to, still kind of uh, give to players? My embarrassment. My embarrassment. You know, if, if he... If he did something, called something that we didn't have in a package, or he screwed the deal up. He, my embarrassment, that's my embarrassment, instead of my bad. He hated my bad, but my embarrassment was okay for him. <laughs> Is that and one that you use now? I say that all the time, you bet. What about the uh, four and a score? Four and a score, we still use it. Yeah. Four and a score, we still use it. And you know, huge credit to John for what we've done in the past, I think it's the past six years, we're number one in the country in takeaways per game. Uh, and, and that you know started really, you know, it was always a focus under Kyle, but to, to term it and to, and to really focus on it and work after it, I, you know, a lot of credit goes to John. For those that might not know what it means, what is four and a score? Four and a score. Four takeaways and a score. And you'll win 99% of the time. There's Utah defensive coordinator Morgan Scally. All right, when we take a, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Marino Mahi, former Brighton Bengal star player, uh, had a huge rep. If you were around in that area, in that era, my gosh, he was he was a highlight film, and he was so quotable and so comfortable with the media. How much money would he have made off name, image, and likeness? My gosh, we'll run that by him. Uh, obviously, he went to BYU, and uh, and then on to the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL. We'll talk with Reno. He's got jokes as always. Jokes about uh, why he's not at BYU. Jokes about why he played at BYU both times he had to make a decision. Reno Mai, coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. We're joined now by Reno Mai, former BYU star and Philadelphia Eagles player. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Reno, good morning. Good morning. How goes it? It goes well. We have many things to talk to you about, but uh, your name has come up a few times here as this whole name, image, and likeness thing is broken. And we'll, and we'll get into some of the how it might help local schools with local players. And You were a high-profile local player, and you were a very good college player, and you had a ton of charisma, and you loved being in front of the camera. We kind of identified you as a guy who could have really crushed it if name, image, and likeness had come along a quarter of a century earlier. Any regrets? Feel like you missed out? You feel like, why did the NCAA finally get their act together now? Where were they when I needed them? Oh, no, I totally used the NIL back when I was playing. 
<laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Statute of limitations is up. Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a four-right scholarship to school. I didn't have to pay for school. <laughs> but, you know, a, guy, a kid like you would have cashed in. NIL. Yeah. You, you would have been able to cash in. I mean, you're the best high school player I've ever seen, and I've worked in three states. I mean, your feet over there at Brighton were unbelievable, and no, no one ever got a clean shot at you ever for all the, the entire time. I mean, I saw so many of your games because I live in the area, and, you know, you, you did have just an, an awesome amount of personality to go with it, too. You've already displayed that. Uh, do, you, do you think it's the, something that high school kids can begin developing and carry it on into college, especially if they stay local. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've when I, when I saw it coming, like maybe about the last year or so, when things were coming out about it, I thought BYU would benefit the most from this, in, in the sense that the local kids, the all the BYU business owners in the valley, and um, just the global brand of um, BYU, and so these kids, if they start growing their social media presence now and start, um, you know, getting their name recognition out there, they could do very well for themselves. You know, I, I could see schools offering something, you know, like there's all these different um, businesses that are, are going to hire you when you come to our school. And I think that's something BYU will be able to, you know, within the rules, that's the hard part is I don't know exactly how the rules are playing out, but you can see what happened with Bill, Bill Barr and all these different things coming on that, like, I think BYU is going to benefit greatly from it, and it, which all these other – and it's just awesome to see these kids getting what they deserve, and um, I'm excited for these kids. So do you think it will be enough that some of the high-profile – not all, but some of the high-profile local kids who've been leaving to go to Oregon and Stanford and USC and, and wherever else – will stay put, or will they continue to leave for high-profile programs and maybe it'll impact the next year of kids? It's, it's all money. It's all money. If the Utah boosters, the BYU boosters, if they all step up, they'll start keeping these kids home. I, I, and, and here's the hard part, and I, I know these parents have this feeling about getting their kids out there at all these other schools. The reality is the majority of these kids, they move back to Utah. And so you see all these so many of these kids that leave, they move back to this state. I mean, Utah's a great state. I mean, look at it. We're in a drought. We need rain. All these crazy Mormons pray for rain, and we get rain. Like, it's <laughs> awesome. But Utah is a great state, and these kids need to start staying home, whether it's at BYU, Utah. And it, to me, it's going to come down to these BYU businesses, Utah businesses. They're um, all the different boosters. Like, let's do a good job of keeping our kids home. Why did you stay home? Because you probably could have gone many different places. Uh, my first go around was my mom. She she made me go to BYU. I didn't really care for BYU. And so, <laughs> but I'm talking, if my mom tells me to do something, you're going to do it. Like, <laughs> and then, um, and that's the hard part I have with some of these parents. So many parents, I'm like, dude, Tell your kid to stay here. Oh, it's up to my kids. Like, it's up to your kid. Like, your kid probably, you, you probably still have to tell your kid to take a shower after practice, and you're, you're making him do these kind of life decisions. Like, some of these parents just need to make their kids stay in the state. 
Um, as far as the second go around, Norm was trying to get me to go to USC. It, that was my wife's fault. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to marry Sonny, so I had to stay at BYU and stay here with her. <laughs> You're going to get any blowback from this, Reno, or are you going to be able to weather this storm you're creating? <laughs> what storm is that? Oh, <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so how dialed in are you to the team right now, or are you kind of keeping it at arm's length this time of year? No, it's COVID. i got to stay as far as away. I don't want to get nobody sick. I don't want them blaming me for anything. So I keep my distance and just enjoy it from afar as a fan and, Every now and then, check in on the coaches, and but I'm excited for this year. Yeah, you look at Kalani, you know, at BYU, we know because of missions and whatnot that it takes a while, and so he's going into his sixth season, and he's coming off a fantastic season, one of the better ones in program history, where a number of guys, for the first time and who knows how long, got to the NFL and are going to be on NFL rosters. How about just the state of the program in terms of what he's building? What's your assessment? They, the, the players have all bought in. They know Kalani loves them. And I, I love the saying that these, these players, they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And so they know Kalani cares. They know his staff cares. And so these boys will, they'll, you know, they'll run through walls for him. And so that's, that's what your program wants. And so I, I think, you know, Kalani's building a great deal over there. And um, everyone's excited for this year. And, Amazing schedule Tom has put together for them, and so it'll be great to see what happens. Give me that saying one more time. I don't think I've heard that before. That was pretty smooth. You just rattled that right off. Players don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And so, they, these again, you can tell these coaches, they love their players. Um, same goes with the staff at the U. You know, they they have coaches there that love their players. I know a lot of those guys personally, and, and they do. And these players feel it, and they know it. And so these players are willing to do, you know, football's not easy, but they're willing to do it because they know how much these coaches care about them. Yeah, when you look at Kalani, do you think that uh, that's, if you were to list his strong points, would you put that right at the top? Because you spend any time with the guy, and you feel like coming away with, man, he's really a great person. He's my, I'm his best friend. I mean, I don't know how many people are able to do that, but however he does it, he manages to make you feel like that. No, he's, Kalani's all love, but Kalani's also one of those Tongan nerds He's like he's so smart, and so as much as he comes across as you know he's loving, he's a fun guy. He is super smart, and so he can dissect a game, dissect a team, a player. I mean, just it's it was one of the coolest things sitting with him, watching film, and how he breaks down someone's hip and the way that you know they're burst. And but I mean, he knows the game. He knows the X's and O's, and and. BYU is very lucky to have him. So expect him to back up that 11-1 season with another big year? I'm hoping so. But, I mean, again, the weird shape ball. So you never know which way the ball bounces. But he's got the players to do it. He's got the staff to do it. So um, I think they, they should have a special year. 
Everybody knows, Reno, that BYU doesn't pay what the going rate is as far as if you're successful as a head coach. So he put together the 11. No, they don't. That's why I'm not there no more. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) So terrible, but they do it for the love of the school, the love of the kids. And so they, they don't. They absolutely don't. Right, <laughs> they right. need to do a better job of that. Well, okay, that's where I'm going with this because the fact is if he goes out and has a big-time season this year, I mean, he's such a charismatic, likable guy, and then he'll have a, a resume that can back it up. And we saw Mendenhall took off, and you know, for whatever reason, he can say what he wants, but he also received a massive amount of uh, money to go, you know, well over $3 million. He wasn't making anything close to that. You know Kalani, and you've known him very well for many, many years, better than us. And so if he puts together a good season – I think that some people are going to come calling. Uh, what do you think about his desire to, you know, he's a Utah County BYU guy, but at the same time, money talks. What do you think about that? He, you, you, I mean, you said it as if people aren't calling. Kalani loves BYU, but the, the reality is there comes a time, a point where BYU just needs to do what they can to keep him. I mean, they, they have the resources, like, it's just me to pay the guy to keep him here. But you're right. I mean, here, here's the funny thing. If BYU has so many of, what is it, the Pac-12 South, yeah. BYU could run the table on the Pac-12 South. I was just looking at the schedule the other day. They could essentially have more wins than any Pac-12 South team. <laughs> <laughs> if BYU runs the table on the Pac-12 South, and the Pac-12 South eat each other up, they could end the season with more Pac-12 South wins than any of the Pac-12 South teams. (laughs) How ironic would that be? Right, yeah. yeah, But at the end of the day, BYU needs to, they need to do what they can to keep Kalani and their staff. That's the problem. You're going to start losing more of their staff. Like, these guys are going to get picked off left and right, and it's all financially. People love Provo. People love to stay in the BYU is a great school. It's the hardest school to be a coach, but it's a great school. It's a great, you know, Utah's a great place. So when you talk to your buddies, the coaches, can you give us any insight, any nuggets, things that are true about the team that maybe the coaches don't mind being out there, but they don't they just can't have their name associated with it? Players who are gonna be good. Position groups that are going to be really good. Um, I and it's just kind of a rule I have when I'm with the guys. I was with some of them just um, what Sunday. I don't talk football, and I had a buddy that came with me. Um, we were meeting up with them for this uh, Tree of Life tour in Highland, and I said, "You have one rule when we go here." I didn't tell him who we were meeting with, and I said, "You can't talk football." And he's like, oh, I won't. He's like, he's a big BYU, you know, been a booster forever. I was like, no talking football when we get to this place. And so I don't talk football when I'm around the coaches just because of this. You ask me something like this, then I have nothing to share because I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well. And so I just have a rule with these guys. I don't talk football. You say BYU is the hardest place to coach. Why is that? You can't get you know, free range of players that would want to come. The two years I was there, we had players that wanted to come and the school wouldn't let them in. 
players that could have helped the program. And so, you know, we have a player that's playing on Sunday right now in the NFL. Would have came, but he didn't want to cut his hair. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that any other of these big schools? Like we just – but it's all right. They know that, you know, these coaches know the challenges, but it's the hardest place to coach football. We will leave it there, Reno. We appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Always great talking to you. There's Reno Mai, former BYU Cougar, former Brighton Bengal, and a member of the Philadelphia Eagles for a while as well. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, will join us next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Riley Jensen for his weekly visit, our college football insider and mental performance coach. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. DJ and PK just rolls off the tongue for like, (laughs) what, 20 years now? How long have you guys been together? Oh, man. It'll be uh, longer than my first marriage. (laughs) Not true. (laughs) The uh, 20 years will be next April. Next April? 20 years. Wow. Where do they go? Where are we going, guys? Where are we going? Where are we celebrating? Cabo. Live from Cabo. (laughs) That's a great idea. Central time zone, so we'll get to sleep in an hour longer. Okay, good, because I was about to say, wait, what about Maui? You've been talking it up, and I haven't been to Maui yet. Yeah, but that's... Yeah, you, you don't do a morning way, show yeah, from Maui. Yeah, you're way out. <laughs> Three o'clock yeah, in the morning. Yeah. Hello. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't ruin your beach time, though, so you got that going for you. All right, Riley, as we get on the countdown here, a couple weeks out from the start of college football, the doldrums, we've learned as much as we're likely to learn. The coaches don't want to tell us much more because they got to keep secrets from uh, whoever's prepping to play in week one, whether it's Weber State or Arizona or whatever. So I'm curious, what do you want to know? And what can't you know until the season starts? As an, as an ex-player who's connected to some of these staffs and might know a little something the average person doesn't, what do you want to know? Well, there's, there's a couple of things about this time of the year that, that, that are fun and then also just really hard to figure out. Number, number one... Like, I cannot stand when I start seeing stats from scrimmages from, like, fall scrimmages. <laughs> like, I, it means absolutely nothing. And, you know, they're all scripted and they're put into a different scenario. And I, I just, I hate it when I see some of those stats. But the thing that I think would be super interesting to know right now is when they're going full speed, who has changed their physicality? Who's changed their ability to, like, you know, to fill a gap and, and really wreak havoc in a gap? Or is there a nose guard or nose tackle from one of these teams that's just unbelievably dominant right now and he's putting centers, like, right on their butt, like, two yards into the backfield? Because 
those are the type of statistics that don't show up in, in any sort of stat line all year, but you can see it in a game. You can see how disruptive it is when a defensive lineman is dominant and, and just knocks guys back two, three yards, and running backs have to make a, you know, they have to change their direction early in their run, and then all of a sudden they're running for their lives and they're getting minus one yards or they're getting one yard. So I'm excited to see who that is. I think on the offensive side of the ball, I think the hardest thing for me right now, when you're trying to figure out like what a quarterback can do, I think for years and years, the reason why a running quarterback was so hard to, to just kind of see what he can do is because so many times in practice, you're not live on a quarterback. And so it's kind of like, well, it seems like he would have made a good run there, but I don't know if he would have got out of that tackle. I don't know if he would have been able to make that run. And then if he's not as good a passer as the guy that's competing with him, oftentimes in the past, the guy that was the better passer always got selected because you just can't really tell on whether this guy can run the ball or not. Now, we have a couple of guys out there that who, who have game films, so you know some of it. But we don't know, for example, for example, has Romney increased his speed and athleticism, right? We don't know what some of these quarterbacks at the University of Utah and at Utah State with Logan Bonner, we, we have some game film from him and we have some game film um, from the different quarterbacks, but you want to see, are they quicker? Are they faster? Can they make plays with their feet and can they throw the ball? And so that's what I'm excited to see. And that's what I'm excited to see, you know, does the athleticism of Logan Bonner at Arkansas State actually translate to the Mountain West Conference? Is he going to be able to do some of the same things, right? Um, you know, is, you know, when, when we're talking about Jaron Hall, is he going to be able to run and not get hurt? I mean, I think that's the biggest worry, right? I think we all know that he can throw the ball. We all know that he can run the ball. But can he do it in a smart, a smart enough way that he's not getting injured? early in the season where you have to like change things all up again. And so I'm excited to see some of these things from, from everything that I'm hearing and then everything that I'm seeing, I mean, and, and this happens every fall, but optimism is, is pretty high right now at a lot of different places. Yeah, it really is. There's no question about that. These quarterbacks, particularly at BYU and Utah, they have, the coaches have gone to great lengths to say it's a close battle and there's not a whole lot of uh, difference between one and two. They even had battles for three and four and all that stuff. So as far as the starter goes, with all that in mind, and they're not being literally live in the way that they will be in the first game, if you're a coach, how do you handle, since somebody is like the 1-1-A rather than a just drastic difference or gap, between one and two, and it's that close, right? How do you handle, say, when you get to the games, if the number one guy, there's a little bit of a struggle? When do you know to make a switch? Because it seems like, well, if they're that close and the other guy isn't getting it done, that I should go to the second guy because he was right there. But at the same time, you don't want to damage confidence. Yeah, so... I, I'm not trying to bail on the question. I'll explain my answer. But the, but the answer is it depends, right? So you, if you've got two guys that you feel are very good, and you know, you, you know, with Brewer and Rising at the at, at the University of Utah, I think people are feeling like you've got two good quarterbacks. With with Jalen Hall and with Romney at BYU, you're feeling like you have for sure two good quarterbacks, right? I think the rope is is a little shorter, right? Like I, I just think it is. Now, 
what that means to each coordinator and what that means to each head coach is is a little bit different. But I, but I will say this: the, the coaches that have been around for a while, and and Kalani has been around for a long time. Um, Coach Kyle has been around for a long time. And then obviously their offensive coordinators with with Roderick and Ludwig have been around a long time. They they understand at this point that the quarterback is a little bit of a rhythm position and. Um, you know, you want you want your starting quarterback to be like like a starter in Major League Baseball, right? Like you want to be able to work through a couple of things before you, before you start messing around with his head and and pulling him out of the game and let him get into a rhythm because when they're in a rhythm, they're really 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 good. Now, you know, you can work through some things if if you win games. If you lose games, that also is a, is another factor, right? Like. If your quarterback is struggling, but you're winning, and you still feel like he can be the guy, then you you can get away with some things. But if you're losing and you start the season 0 for three, and your quarterback hasn't been able to work through it, that might be the time that that, that you figure out how to pull the trigger and, and move to the next quarterback. But you, the rope is shorter when you have two quarterbacks, but it's longer than we would normally think. Okay, so it's weird you say that because you as soon as you said 0 and three, I thought. BYU and Utah's hopes are so high. And the quarterback competition has been pumped up so much. Presumably the backup is good. So there's no way they'll get that deep. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. But I think it's going to be longer than what you – like, Like it would for sure be 0-2 before a change, hmm. in, my, in my opinion. Like, I, I, don't, I can't even imagine that it wouldn't be at least two games. I just can't imagine a scenario as a as a coordinator, someone who's been a coordinator before. I can't imagine like going all the way through spring, all the way through fall camp, all the way through the summer, seeing all kinds of information and making such a bad choice that you need to make the change like after the first game. Like you just totally like blew it. Um, the, the only thing that I can see is if like you really didn't know. But if you really don't know, usually that means that both quarterbacks aren't performing high enough. So. You really hope that, you know, I, in in all the quarterback competitions I was in, like, by now in fall camp, everybody knows who the guy is. Like, nobody's saying it, but everybody knows who the guy is. And they might be giving reps to the second guy just to get him ready for the season in case something happens. But everybody knows who the guy is right now, and everybody knows that, like, the week of, that that guy is going to get all the reps, and he's going to get the opportunity to be successful. So, um it's it's interesting. I mean, the quarterback quarterback position is really really interesting, and it's more interesting now to me than it's ever been because the old offenses you, you didn't get hurt as much as a quarterback. I mean, there was a lot that was done to protect you and keep you from getting injured, right? And now it's like, nah, he's got to be able to run and throw, and and we got to be able to risk that. And you know what? If he gets hurt in the fifth game, then next man up. I mean, that's that's just kind of the attitude now, and so. These quarterbacks are are much more physically talented and much much better runners than than my era of quarterbacks were. And but but that also opens them up to to injury. And so these second string quarterbacks, these guys that are just right there, they got to stay ready because they're they're going to get a chance to play. How important do you think this is this season is for Kalani Sataki? He had the great season. Uh, but some people and a lot of people obviously will not knock it because of the schedule. And you can also argue, well, 
you know, the you wait three or four years and you build guys up and they get experience. So you can just about any program at that level can have a good season, but it's important to have a program. And in order to have a program, you got to have successful seasons one after another, at least to one degree or another. So with that in mind, the importance of this season seems to me is pretty high. Yeah, I think I think it's important. I don't think. I mean, certainly don't think he has to go eleven and one next year. No. I mean, I, I I think there's going to be some pressure to play well in the big games or in the games that that they feel like are a fifty fifty. Uh, you know, to quote our friend Alema, right? Like fifty fifty games. They got to play well, and if there's some blowouts here, that's that's cause for concern. If there's a blowout, um, it's. I always expect BYU to win a few of these big games because if, if, if you look at the history of BYU, even in years that you didn't think they were going to win, they go on the road, they beat Wisconsin, right? A couple of years ago, they had the big throw at the end, they beat Tennessee. Maybe you didn't think that they were going to win those games, and, and they come up with some wins. The problem is, is do, they, do they play well in the other big games? And you, typically they'll play pretty well because they'll get up. But then they have to do what they're supposed to do in the games that they're supposed to win. Because, you know, two years ago, or mm-hmm. I'm confused with COVID, it might have been three years ago, when you go to Toledo and South Florida and, and you lay some eggs, man, it, it's not happiness, right? And even though you had a decent preseason, like those games were hurtful. And um, I think you've just got to be competitive in all these games. And then in the games that you think you're supposed to win, you got to go out and do what you're supposed to do. And if if they do that, I mean, it could be a really, really good season. Maybe not, maybe not as highly ranked and highly touted as last year, but you can feel really, really good about the momentum of the program if they put together a, I don't know, an eight, if they put together an eight and four season. I mean, I think that's really positive momentum, right? So we're not hearing much, uh, pos- as much positivity or nearly as much positivity out of Utah State as we are to BYU and Utah. What kind of hopes you got for your alma mater? Well, I listen. I'm, I'm not. I, I, I personally don't have like high expectations. I think the expectations up there are way higher than I have. Right? Like I'm, I'm watching them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful. Right? And I'm not saying because they don't have players, but it, it just takes a minute with a new coaching staff. But man, there's a lot of positivity going on. There's a lot of optimism going on. That you know. People talking about how fast the offense is and how they can throw it around and how some of these, you know, these portal transfers have made a real difference. And I just feel like, man, there's a lot more positivity and excitement about the program than I thought there would be. Um, I'm still going in just cautiously optimistic. But, man, if they if they pull off the, the optimism and the positivity that I'm feeling, then, then it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a fun season to watch all three of those teams play in the state of Utah. Riley, as always, we appreciate the time, and we will talk to you again next week. You guys are the best, man. Thanks for having me on. He's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. 
you know, I don't want a farewell tour. I don't know what's going to happen after the season, but but I'm going to enjoy it with the right perspective for sure, and not look at it as I'm getting through this. I'm just going to enjoy the hell out of you know all of it. And that's why I think I have a slightly different perspective about these you know practices with other teams. Aaron Rodgers, Packer quarterback, doesn't want a farewell tour, even though the contract's restructured. He clearly has been dissatisfied at times in Green Bay, and the contract's now set up financially that the Packers can uh, end the relationship here in the offseason. Move him. No, I'm clearly tired of it. <laughs> I bet you're not alone. And these, these pro athletes, and we'll get to it in a bit here with their drama. The average fan just can't relate, man. You've got all this financial freedom. You're playing a game, and there's still this drama. Joe Blow driving to work right now is thinking, what are you talking about, man? Especially because the guys who are here and complain right now are also winning at a pretty high level. I mean, nobody gets to win at the highest level all the time, not even Tom Brady, so there are going to be some losses. But it's not even drama with uh, somebody who's trapped on the 25th best team. There are going to be some losses. There going to be. (laughs) G-O-N-N-A. Gonna. (laughs) Meanwhile, Jets quarterback Zach Wilson called himself a fanboy and talked about meeting Aaron Rodgers for the first time. Jets and Packers held a joint practice. James, referring to James Morgan, who's a Jets backup quarterback. James is a big fanboy. He's getting a little nervous. I'm a big fanboy, too. We all have to kind of pretend like we've been there before. We're enjoying just being out here and being able to talk to him. Honest. Yep. I mean, he's 22 years old. Our Rodgers is in his mid-30s. So if you do the math, Rodgers was coming into his prime when Zach's getting into high school. Yeah. Of course you would idolize him. He was a heck of a football player at that point. Still is, for that matter. So that makes sense. You're still a kid at 22. So, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't ask him for his autograph. <laughs> uh have to do the math on that Packers Super Bowl. That might have been when Zach was in junior high. And James Morgan, you want to know why he was a fanboy? Because he, he grew up yeah. mi- 1.4 miles. His high school is 1.4 miles from Lambeau Stadium. I was going to say, so Green Bay native. He's in the beating heart of the Green and Gold Nation. I would think that uh, depending on how long he stayed there, which I think it was through high school at least, he went off to college to Bowling Green, which isn't down the street, but I would think that all those folks there, like we have here with the Jazz, that they would just be intense Packer fans to the core. Rogers was surprised to learn that. He knew the name of the high school, but didn't know Morgan had gone to it. You'd think it would be okay if I take a knee and kiss you on the back of the hand. <laughs> Where's the ring? Like the Godfather. It is. I mean, come on. I mean, that's uh, for this because he's a young kid himself, right? He's only like 24 years old. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott will not play in the preseason, according to Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy. Prescott's been dealing with a lat strain that has kept him out. Well, as long as he's healthy for the start of the regular season, I guess. I mean, that's all that matters. Although I don't know that we trust him to be healthy from the start of the regular season. We'll find out. Speak for yourself. Don't say we. I trust him. He's Dak friggin' Prescott. Minnesota Vikings backup quarterback, or excuse me, backup linebacker Cameron Smith, a former USC star, announced his retirement. He underwent surgery to repair an enlarged heart last August. A false positive COVID test led to the diagnosis of a genetic defect, forcing him to miss the season. 
who set to resume his career this year, suffered a game, a concussion in the game Saturday and opted to retire. He'll always have those three interceptions. Oh, against, my gosh. Not one, not two, against, three. Uh, was it Travis Wilson, I think? It was. Yeah. Seemingly single-handedly winning that game. Yeah. Uh, old Cam Smith. I was in the Coliseum for that game. Those were the days, my friend. The Utes were uh, usually go down there and play a close game and lose. That was the one time I think SC really got them. Turnovers, breaking the game open. Allegations of sexual assault and inappropriate behavior against Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson are now being investigated by the FBI, according to Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden. Harden said that Watson spoke to the FBI about allegations of extortion regarding one of the 23 lawsuits filed against the quarterback, 22 of which are still active. Oh, okay, so it's going to designed to make him look good. I'm thinking... Wait a second, his lawyer's not going to run out there and tell the media he's being investigated by the FBI unless it's something that looks favorably upon him. That is why you pay a lawyer to make you look good. I mean, come on. Yep. So, trying to establish stuff in the minds of the jury that hasn't been picked yet for the court case no, or cases yeah, which seem inevitable. Yeah. Oh, you got a legal mind. You're a hawk. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Kevin Durant and Draymond Green both blamed Warriors coach Steve Kerr and team president and general manager Bob Myers for mishandling the fallout from the players' argument that ultimately contributed to Durant leaving the team following the 2018-19 season. In an interview posted on Bleacher Report, Durant and Green both said they believe Kerr and Myers were at fault for the way they handled the players' emotional back and forth on floor that spilled over into the locker room after an overtime loss to the LA Clippers at Staples Center. On November 12th, 2018. Yeah, we're going back a little bit here, people. Almost three years. I listened to that whole thing yesterday. The podcast. Mm-hmm. Series. The Chips. 24 minutes or so. I timed it. I know I heard about it. And then I thought, oh, I'll just listen to that when I go to the gym. And so I did. And I got to give Draymond Green credit. I mean, uh, his entire life, at least at the NBA level, every time there's been a problem, he's been the victim. And it's amazing. Again, it's another story. Joe Blow driving to work today. These multimillionaires being victims. Could you imagine if Bob Myers and Steve Kerr blamed those two? The outrage this morning on the Stephen Smiths of the world. Yeah, and so but it forth? won't happen because then they don't get to sign free agents. Well, it, or it, resign their own free agents. So, oh, never, so the, never blame the players. So, so Kerr's not going to speak his mind for money purposes. Right. Which would lead you to believe that he does sometimes speak his mind for money purposes. Right. Oh, 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 man. This guy over here. You can't be doing that. Not for you. Where you stand for? Holy freak. Oh. Apparently I can't. <laughs> Woo. Green said he told management when asked to apologize to Durant after being suspended that, quote, Y'all are effed up, effed this thing up. The only person to make this right is me and Kay, and there's nothing that y'all can do. And you're all going to bleep this up. And in my opinion, they effed it up. Respond to Durant. I think so, too. Yeah, I doubt that that conversation just germinated from scratch. <laughs> I think it was planned. They knew what each one was going to say, and they went they on had the there. whole Olympics to talk about it. We didn't mess it up. We had a good thing going. We didn't mess it up. They messed it up. I confess, they did it. Yeah. I mean, it was only like two or three minutes. I actually found the other stuff of Durant 
talking about himself and his life and his thoughts. I found that very interesting. So overall, I thought it was good. But this was clearly scripted. Uh, they knew what was going to happen. And it was just a maybe of this like 24 and a half minutes is what my uh, YouTube thing said when I got on there. And, and they didn't discuss this more than five minutes. Uh, so and they did use the the so they were swearing constantly. Uh, but listening to Durant just talk about other stuff, uh, try to just get in his mind, which is impossible to do. But just as he expressed himself, I found that very interesting. How much uh, I did not hear it. I read the uh, quotes that were pulled out. How much did he talk about? I, I just think for his basketball legacy, he needed to go win somewhere other than Golden State because Golden going to Golden State, yes. He's won two titles, but I think because they already had one and that 73-win season, he's largely I, just I, having gravy train I think those. you overestimate that, his basketball legacy. Yeah. He's going to have millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. Mm-hmm. Right, well, he's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. What, That's true. What, what does he need? He doesn't need anybody. He wants more. <laughs> Everybody need. wants more. How's right. that? So Durant's and, no different than anybody else. But I think that was a big factor in why he left. He had to go win a championship somewhere else. For what? What do you mean he had His to? legacy. <laughs> I think that stuff is so overstated. His legacy. So what you're saying is the statues have a crummy legacy. Because they didn't win a championship anywhere. The difference between not having a crummy legacy and building a better legacy that you want. Well, then what legacy do they have then? Because they've got zero. They're Hall of Famers and they're Olympians. <laughs> and they were on the dream team. They got all kinds of things on their resume. Right. So if Durant doesn't have that, that means the guys who don't have that too, they should their their legacy is incomplete. Isn't, isn't as good. I think it's just fine the way it is. I mean, I, I just don't think that they obsess over that and, and your your legacy. We will get you, to more on you this. You can't with Kevin control that up. anyway. That's what somebody else thinks of you. Once mm. you go down that road of worrying about what somebody else thinks of you, You've it never to, stops. Right, and you have to create a burner Twitter account. And he did, because he does worry about what other people think about him. Which is stupid. You think when he, right, at at 25, you got me. But at 50, at 60, at 70, yeah, you got me. And when he's in his 20s, you're right, he does. But legacy isn't established and carried on when you're 25. But these are decisions he's making in his 20s and early 30s. Right. And so talk to me when he's in his 50s and 60s. And he may look at it very differently. You're right. He will. He'll grow up. But he's making the decisions now. And that's why he went to Brooklyn now. And you're right. When he's 58 years old, he may look at it really differently. He may go, I'm in the Hall of Fame and I'm swimming in cash. And I go wherever I want, whenever I want, for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, look at your legacy, man. (laughs) It's exactly the same. Really isn't. <laughs> Kevin, let me tell you about that time the Valhalla beat Helix. All right. Longtime NBA journalist Jackie McMullen will retire from ESPN August 31st, ending a decade long tenure with the company. She's been an NBA reporter for 40 years, joined ESPN in 2010 after a long career with the Boston Globe. She received the Kurt Gowding Media Award from the Naismith, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2010. And the Penn ESPN Lifetime Achievement Award for Literary Sports Writing in 2019. First woman to receive both honors. And Larry the Laker says, good riddance, another Celtic homer gone. <laughs> that is. <laughs> did he literally say that, or are you just reading uh, his mind? No, he tweeted it. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, so I mean, it's not the exact words, but that was the Oh, I have no doubt he believes it. I just, I just wondered how much <laughs> you were able to... Read his mind and how much he put I mean, it out. He there. hates the Celtics. That's a oh, with a passion of a thousand suns. Bitter, Absolutely. bitter rivalry there. 
DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani, home run number 40. He slowed down after the All-Star break. Seems like he's picking up speed in a little bit. A few more home runs now, PK. He gets number 40. And he's 8-1 and one as a pitcher. Went eight innings as the Angels beat the Tigers 3-1. to one. Doing yeah. it all. Shohei time. Giants lose to the Mets 6-2. to two. Uh, on the West Coast, the story is the Giants lose a game to the Dodgers because the Dodgers blank the Pirates 9-0. But on the East Coast, the story is the Mets owner tweeting, calling his guys out. Professional hitters, PK. How come they can't do better? And then look, the story is, well, they won and they responded. Well, 6-2. to two, I mean, eventually they responded. Yeah, two like runs got him to extra innings. innings. Yeah, it went 12. I watched the game. Yeah, it went 12. They only had two through nine. That's not a massive response, but... Well, if the other team has one, you're good to go. <laughs> Arizona relief pitcher Caleb Smith ejected for a foreign substance. And who uh, who threw the belt yesterday? That was Lance the other story. Bill. Lance Lynn. Yeah, Lance Lynn throwing the belt because the ump didn't come over and check him quick enough. And he had some other stuff he had to attend to. And he said afterward, well, I guess the umpire had his feelings hurt. Yeah. So he'll be getting squeezed at home plate at some point. Bees open a series against the Reno Aces tonight, 635 Smith's Ballpark. We'll be giving away tickets to that game later in the show. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. Was it pretty, PK? But the RSL gets a late goal. It beats Houston 2-1. to one. The Dynamo, not good. Winless in their last 12. Hadn't won on the road all year. They got the goal to tie the game 1-1. And they had control of the game for long stretches in the first half and for another good 15 to 20 minutes in the second half. But RSL survives it. And the substitutes come in and play well and turn the game around. And Anderson Julio scores in the 88th minute to get the win. So A fine night for all. Win ugly. How come he never played his goal score sound? That would have been so dang fun. I'll roll on him, I guess. I 88th know. minute? 88th minute. It was getting deep late. Deep in the fourth quarter? Yes, it was deep, deep in the fourth quarter. I like that. Oh, that guy, I can only imagine the excitement in his voice. His, I was hollering and screaming like crazy. His team won. He pretends he doesn't care, but he cares deeply. We all know that. All announcers do. He's no exception. It would have been fun to hear you. Now, RSL with six points in two games. Didn't Break really dominate up. either game, but they won them both. I'm looking at you try to be objective. <laughs> Crack me up. They now play the team, <laughs> the one team that they dominated and looked good against at home. Maybe I'm forgetting another one, but I think it's the one. Colorado, Saturday, they face the Rapids. RSL now in fifth place. Colorado in fourth. They'll play Saturday night at 7. When do they play KC again? Because we hate them and they hate us. <laughs> I think some of that's faded. But uh, I don't know. I'll look that up for you. There is another one coming up. They've got to go to Kansas City. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Chris Kimrani covers the Utes for The Athletic, also writes a lot of features for The Athletic. He will join us at 8 o'clock. Dick Harmon, sports columnist for the Deseret News, will be here to talk BYU football at 9 o'clock. And joining us right now, 
Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys, if you've been struggling with ED, Andrew Reinhardt here with Wasatch Medical Clinic and a breakthrough treatment. No pill, no injections, no surgery. Andrew, you always uh, you always bring this up, and it is always true. You've been how long have you been coming on air now? At least uh, a couple of years. I, yeah, I bet it's between two and three years now. Right, but there are still guys who are coming to you either because it's just become an issue or because it's become an issue to the point that they finally feel like they need to address it with you as opposed to some other method. Yeah, that's right. We had a patient in last week, um, pretty severe erectile dysfunction, and he wasn't just taking one pill to get normal function. He was taking four. This is pretty common. Go to the pill initially, which I think is fine. If the pill works for you, I'd say keep doing it. But he noticed that it stopped working, so he took more and more. Eventually, he ended up with just the side effects, and it really wasn't working at all. And I think four pills is probably very dangerous. Uh, That's generally when guys think about our technology. We wish they'd think about it a little sooner, but that's generally what happens. The wave therapy that Wasatch Medical Clinic uses bypasses the pill. It uses pressure waves that open up and regrow the blood vessels. So... It's really just improving blood flow. That's what erectile dysfunction is. It's a lack of blood flow. And we're helping a lot of guys get off the pill and turn back the clock in the bedroom. So what are the top causes of ED? Why for the guys who are suddenly having a problem? Why? What's happening? Well, I would say there's a lot of things. We see diabetes and prostate issues as probably the top two, just a man aging But then every day it surprises me. A healthy guy in his 30s calls and says, hey, it's just not working like it used to. So I think the bottom line is you're more normal than you think if you're struggling. It doesn't necessarily mean you're unhealthy. All right, guys, you can put a stop to your ED if you call Wasatch Medical right now at 801-901-8000. you got a special offer for the people who call now. We do. We always believe in delivering a lot of value. And guys come in and just take the free. That is okay. Uh, but the first step in getting rid of the erectile dysfunction is a quick screening and assessment with our doctor. That's free. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound. That's free. Uh, you get the very popular gift that produces pretty immediate results in the bedroom. And if you feel like you need it, blood work and testosterone is free at Wasatch Medical also. Uh, so some enormous value today. 801-901-8000. Call Wasatch Medical right now. 801-901-8000, and you can claim that offer. Call Andrew Reinhardt at Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Time for what's going on here on The Big Show. We check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. I look forward to this every day. What show do you like checking in with more? Oh, I can't pick between my children. That's condescending. What do you mean condescending? Yeah, a little bit. Both shows can call you daddy. I didn't mean it literally. Don't get me wrong. I'm fine with that point of view that the other two shows are beneath us. But, I mean, I'm just <laughs> surprised that it came out like that. The emphasis was on picking between equals, not on, hey, I'm everyone's daddy. Pull that. (laughs) (laughs) He tricked me. Pull that for sure. Oh, yeah, that's the promo. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 
Listen every day at 1.30 for the Top 60 and 60. Hans and Scotty are announcing another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on The Zone Sports Network. Question of the day, what is your opinion of Kevin Durant? Back in the news with the podcast with Draymond Green, and they had their spat, but it wasn't the spat that broke up the Warriors. It was... It was the way the coach and the GM handled it. So what's your opinion of Kevin Durant? And Matt says, I can't get past how he left Oklahoma City after almost beating a 73-win team just to join the team to beat him. They could have beaten Golden State the next year. The latter can't be proven, and that's the issue. If he had to leave to get his legacy in order, why go there in the first place? Because you had to have known... It's not like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming, that I would get criticism for joining a team that had won a title and won 142 games and blah, 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 blah. Everything was all out in front of him. So if he was worried about his legacy, why go there initially? doesn't make any sense. I think he didn't see it coming. No? Wow. So you're calling him dumb. Because it was obvious as the big old beak on my face <laughs> that that would be the criticism. It, the second he signed, or announced he was going on that July 4th, the, not more than literally 10 seconds later, well, he's gravy training to a title. He's leaving the team. You can't beat him, join him. And he, he wasn't bright enough to see that? I don't buy that. So he just went for what? The titles? And then he got tired of the title, so he left? Or he got tired of Draymond's drama, so he went and joined up with Kyrie Irving to get Kyrie's drama? That's probably it. You put up with drama if guys are good. Jarrell Brantley doesn't have any drama. Did you notice that? Guy, guy 10, 12, or 14 provides drama. Guy 10, 12, or 14 picks up his stuff, goes through the door, and doesn't come back. Yeah. Now, guy 1, 2, 3, or 4, all-star guy, he can provide drama. Did you ever notice the guys who have the most drama are your better players? Aaron Rodgers, drama. I mean, not yep. all better players have drama, but R- the guys who Russell, have it. Russell Wilson, better player, drama. Because they ha- they can get away with it. Kevin Durant, drama. Yeah, it's why I'm a drama queen at the station. Because I'm the best we've got. So I can get away with it. Obviously. I'm high, high maintenance. Cameron, one of the best players in basketball, but one of the most narcissistic people alive. Straight up tool. What is narcissistic? I mean, we threw out all these words in the last couple years. I didn't even know what they meant. I don't believe you. You went to the Cronkite. But I would never use a word like that in print. That's different. So why would I bother with a word I'm never going to write? I don't have time for that. There's plenty of words that I could use that the average person, you're writing for a person who has a reading comprehension of a junior high student, is what they told you. So you got to keep it simple and basic. You don't use big words like that. I don't even know what it means. A condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance. A deep need for excessive attention and admiration. Troubled relationships and a lack of empathy for others. Oh, I would never have that. And I don't give a crap about you. (laughs) Thank you. See what he did there? 
Kelly says Hall of Famer, top five most talented offensive player in the history of the game. Can't stand him as a person. Read that narcissistic thing again. Backing up to Cameron Alder. One of the best basketball, excuse me, one of the best players in basketball, but one of the most narcissistic people alive. And what's that definition again? I just closed out of it. Don't, we'll get it back. Come on, it's, it's the internet, man. You gotta, I'm getting it back. You, you're the master of juggling 87 things in the internet. <laughs> it's what you do. You sit there and look at that stuff all day long. A bunch of nonsense. I told him about some child bands, some ki- kids who do cover music out of Canada and they're really good. Yep. He must have listened to 20 songs yesterday. No, I'm not. I guarantee you about told six. your wife, too. I did not. You will. I might. I know you will. <laughs> I'll probably forget by the time she gets home. <laughs> Narcissistic personality disorder, one of several types of personality disorders, is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. Okay, doesn't that sound like, like 95% of the people on the planet? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a touch of it, sure. <laughs> so Durant's just cover, a regular dude, They cover man. a lot of ground there. <laughs> yes, they do. I, I'm trying to run through all the people I know, and at least to one degree well, or another. For all the people out there and all the problems in the world, how many people do you have empathy for? I mean, in some situation, you can look at someone and say, you should have had more empathy there. Now, two hours later, two miles away, they might be in a totally different situation and have a ton of empathy. And then at 6 o'clock that night, they might have none whatsoever. Which is why I try to never have none, so I don't get caught <laughs> up in worrying about it. That way you're consistent. Yes. I'm a, don't act like you're special. I treat everybody rotten. A deep need for excessive attention and admiration. Not a need. Everybody has a need for some attention and some admiration. But a deep need for excessive attention and admiration. I don't need anybody to tell me how great I am. I already know. (laughs) So we're done talking about Durant. (laughs) I told you yesterday, this is why he's on Christmas. People love him. They want to watch him play. He's got a ton of fans. And yet there's a bunch of people who he just annoys nonstop. Well, anybody who speaks, you're going to find yourself to one degree or another. If they speak honestly, you're going to find yourself one degree or another irritated at them. Kevin Durant, to me, has done nothing that he's irritated me. He's a regular dude. Everybody plays the victim. Look around in the world today. You're the reason I'm not this. Not me, you. So why would I single him out? That doesn't make any sense. I would, I, would, I would be doing that all day long about virtually every player. They're gonna, uh, anybody who speaks his mind, Donovan Mitchell, for some people around here, he irritated them. Who cares what Donovan Mitchell thinks? Some people want to be irritated. Right. And then they want to go on social media and post about it because they have a deep need for excessive attention and admiration. (laughs) What percentage of social media posts? Oh, man. Are narcissistic. So if I'm going to apply that standard to Duran, I've got to apply it to just about everybody. Well, only if you want to be consistent. Well, I do, which is why I'm fine with him. Right. I, and I He's get a ball that. player. And, really, and for all the screwing around you do, including in the last three to five minutes, actually you're right back on point. And, and knowing you off the air, you don't talk about Kevin Durant off the air. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't uh, just doesn't do it for you.
I watched the gold medal game against France. I loved watching Kevin Durant. They don't win without him. It was big time moment in the Olympic sphere. And he delivered. Yes. He came through. He knew he was good. Everybody on the team knew he had it going on. He led the team to victory. That was a Friday night a few weeks back, right? If I remember correctly. Sat down 8 o'clock, 8.30 time. Made sure that we didn't go out. Or we did go out. was home by then. Because I wanted to watch the game. And I was entertained by Kevin Durant. What I'm asking of Kevin Durant, he's delivered. And yet Jared says he went to a 73-win team to get a ring. <laughs> Unparalleled softness. Unparalleled softness. Unparalleled We, crit- we criticize these guys for not making winning a priority and just making money a priority. And, and it's not going to ruin my summer. <laughs> and so he goes where he knows he can win. I don't understand that. Was it necessarily good for the league? I don't think it was bad for the league. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The thing about the super teams and locking up all the titles is that it seems it improves their championship hopes to 50-50. Recent examples. LeBron goes to Miami. Ah, they built a super team. Now they're going to win all the titles. And they're up there counting. Not two, not three, not four, not five, right? He was there four years. They won two titles. Now, he did go to the finals four times, so maybe in the Eastern Conference they would look at that a little differently. Like If you play the Heat, you're done. You can't match up. But as far as winning the title, they got two out of four. The Warriors get Durant. He's there four years. They win two out of four. Again, they go to all four, so you view it in the West differently. Because if you're the Jazz or any other Western playoff team, you think, yeah, if we run into these guys, we have no chance. And the Jazz ran into them once and had no chance. So we like our unscripted drama, and they do not remove as much drama as we think they're going to or as we claim they're going to or as we suppose they're going to, but they do remove a fair bit of it. Now, LeBron goes to the Lakers, and he's one for three. He's been hurt twice. Once to the point they didn't make the playoffs, and he shut it down, and then they won the title. So, yeah, there's no guarantees. I already know that. So how much should we be holding these guys accountable for going to a 73-win team? In my mind, there's zero. No, there's no guarantees. Or the guarantee is that you'll win half of them, there, but you won't win them all. There's no guarantees. Nobody wins them all. Nothing. There's no guarantee that he would go and they would win. They did. Good for them. They won twice with him. So I was fine with it. And He played by the rules. He did nothing that circumvented anything. He didn't backdoor anything. He didn't whine his way out of OKC. Anthony Davis sat out games, wore a T-shirt that said, that's all, folks. And Durant competed right to the end, and then he was a free agent, and then he left. Right. And then he competed right to the end and was willing to push through and tear his Achilles, which is not usually good for your career, but somehow he's bounced back from it at a very high level. So I don't see what the problem is. All these guys have inflated egos. They don't live reality. They don't have to get up and go, and I wonder what my boss is thinking tomorrow, today, because I better please him or her, or else I could be out, and then I'm in financial trouble. Uh, they don't have to deal with any of that. I mean, geez, I, I wonder, can I get a tea time today, or whatever it is. He can do whatever he wants. So they don't. They don't live normal lives. They're so wealthy that they can call their own shots. And he's the elite of the elite to where 
He didn't have to answer to anybody. Everybody answers to him. Everybody tells him how great he is all day long because they want to be part of it. They either want to be his friend or they want some uh, kickback and some windfall that of the money he has. I can only imagine the hanger honors that must be involved. I told you the story of Matt Harpring where he makes the league and one of his former teammates at Georgia Tech calls him up and asks him if he can buy him a car. Awkward. He's barely into the league. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't have any idea what it's like. I've been around people and they've told me, but firsthand, absolutely not. And and to be, where can Kevin Durant go that he wouldn't be besieged by people? And you're expecting him to have a, a normal, humble, regular Joe attitude? Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> Let's get that. That'd be, yeah. It'd also be fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get all this hatred for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is an NBA player. What Kevin Durant owes you as an NBA fan is to bust his butt when the ball goes up in the air. And from, from what I can see, from my that's, distance... That's what he does. That's what he does. That's what he does. Yes. And, and the two best examples really come late in that he was willing to play. When a lot of guys shut it down, he was willing to play, risk tearing his Achilles, and he did... And yes, modern medicine is better, and so the doctors and the trainers and physical therapists who worked with him deserve a lot of the credit because they got to do their jobs, but he still had to work a lot to come back from that. If you've ever rehabbed after surgery, you messed up your shoulder, I messed up my knee, our listeners, a bunch of them have gone through something, that's not easy, especially if you're trying to get to the level he's at. Well, like a fool to save a buck, I never went to the doctor on my shoulder. I just had you help me put my coat on for... That was awkward. <laughs> Good long while. You were in a lot of pain. You never went to the doctor? <laughs> never really? did, no. Really? No. I find that surprising sitting no. here right now. I never But did. you also have the look on your face that I'm thinking, yep, he's telling the truth. <laughs> I am. I rubbed some Ben Gain on it and <laughs> looking back... Maybe now a, you should go. It was I, a dumb decision. Physical therapy still might help you some. It might, but... Eh. <laughs> When it's my time, it's my time. Okay, all right. Thanks, Jersey guy. (laughs) I grew up with that. (laughs) But in the meantime, if you'd like your shoulder to work a little better. It's fine. Give you another seven yards off the tee. Over the weekend, I played golf with a friend of mine who was in a motorcycle accident in the fall and lost his leg. Brutal. And we went out and played. He played... He's got a metal thing and hopped, basically, after he teed off. And it was an inspiration to play 18 holes with him. And I'm going to do it again real soon because he wants to do it. So don't try to give him any uh, thing because he's not going to have it, any sympathy. I, I made a joke with him. I just said, hey, I couldn't beat you with uh, two. Now, if I can't beat you with one, I really suck. And we had a little chuckle. Uh, so, I mean, my little shoulder thing, yeah, it hurt like crap at the time, I will admit, though. <laughs> but it's been a number of years. So, Durant, Durant has come through. I'm surprised there's that much negativity towards Durant, to be honest. I'm surprised you're surprised. I'm surprised you're surprised I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> All right, when we come back, question of the day, part two. I get paid for this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, 
a shoulder problem, but I don't have an employment problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got lucky in that department, that's for sure. All right, coming up, we've got uh, Chris Camerani, features writer for The Athletic. He also covers the University of Utah. He is going to join us at 8 o'clock. And Dick Harmon, sports columnist for the Deseret News, is going to join us at 9 o'clock, and we'll get his thoughts on the upcoming uh, BYU football season. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kalani, he checks the box in nearly every single category of what type of coach you want at BYU. 11-1 didn't get you an extension. When most coaches in an 11-1 season with three years left would have got some type of extension. There are certain coaches out there that just have looked at coaching at BYU as the be-all of all existence. And for them, if it is, that's great. But for other people, it's like, no, I want to get paid. I want to get paid market value. You, I want to get paid uh, and have an extension on par with my peers. I continue to ask the question of what does he need to do to truly be valued and loved there? And if it takes Tennessee coming in and being like, hey, we want you to come coach in the SEC, man, I think it'll be a similar outcome that we just saw with Bronco. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Got a question here on our Facebook page. Kyle Winningham is brimming with confidence for his team. Who's falling in line with the coach? And PK? What? You heard something that caught your ear that you want to share with the audience. Well, Kyle's been saying it for several times now. Uh, He said it again last Saturday. This dude isn't backing down at all. He's talking about the team. I mean, we've all heard it. That It reminds him of 2019. Holy freak. <laughs> that team went 8-1. and one. Tied for the best record ever in the Pac-12. So, I'm, for me, I look at the conference because I think you can orchestrate how many non-conference wins you want, pretty much. If you want all three, you can schedule three cupcakes. They've been scheduling a Big West and a Mountain West team every year, and they've gone two and one once. Utah State got them an OT in Logan. They've handled BYU nine times in a row. They beat Michigan both times they played them. So we know what happens in the non-conference. The Utes win a lot. And you can't dictate who you play in conference, obviously. So that's what I look at. Uh, you know, unless you're SC and you're playing Notre Dame and you're usually playing a big time. Stanford does it. A non conference schedule, uh, which most of, a lot of the teams don't. Maybe one big game. And there are some big games this year for sure in the non conference. Uh, Ohio State, Oregon there uh, obviously is huge. <laughs> so to compare your team to that team, to me, that ups the stakes far more than the anticipation I had for the stakes this season. Steve says, yeah, why not? Another year, another, yay, we're so great. And then here comes the November letdown. I truly hope the Utes do well this year. Well, they haven't had November letdowns in three years. You can't really count last year. Two two years ago, they went undefeated in November. Yeah. So they Three years ago, 
They did uh, well enough down the stretch to win the division, despite a quarterback injury, because Tyler Huntley went down at Arizona State. Yes, so they did but not have they November could have, letdowns. Yeah, they could have messed up the Oregon game, but they didn't. Backup quarterback, they made it happen. Oh, that was the year Oregon they played BYU. BYU. Yeah, they played BYU yeah. late that year. And won that big, game. Had the big comeback. So there were no letdowns in November. Now they sucked in December. The conference title game, yes. That. Well, in the bowl games. Yeah. We're, we're both in December. Right. So the years they didn't have November meltdowns, they went 0-4 in December. And if you go back four years, well, they had an October letdown. I don't want to go back four years. All right. Then what about four less years? Four no. less years. No, I want to stay current because I'm worry about next year, this season, this upcoming season, this next season. So I asked Scally that yesterday, and I thought he had a little bit more of a statement that I could get behind more so than what the head coach is getting behind. Uh, I definitely see it in the leadership. I definitely see it in the front seven. The secondary is still untested. And so that's kind of the question mark right there. I mean, you're talking about a pretty darn good secondary with Blackman and Burgess and Jalen Johnson. So these guys haven't really proven uh, anything yet other than they're willing and they're athletic enough. We're, We're excited about them. But again, you know, they're still untested. I agree with that 100%. Because that's the area that concerns me. Because quarterbacks threw on them last year. And as Scally was talking about yesterday, and it was a great interview. We've been hearing a lot about the Taliban. I wanted to hear from the Scaliban. And the Scally man, I thought, was nailing it there. You know, this defense was so young, still very young, but particularly the secondary. You know, you're not going to have the circumstances last year. He talked about how there's zero people in the stands. And so you're going to give up a big play occasionally. And if you do it on the road, the crowd goes nuts, and then you get some momentum. We saw it uh, three years ago with well, two years ago, and then when the Utes had the the only loss, Slovis goes down with an injury. The Rat Fink comes off the bench, starts chucking the ball up. Those guys make plays. Crowd gets all excited, and they were tough to handle. So a third team guy comes off the bench and beats you. That's highly unusual. Against an NFL secondary, no less. All those guys, every single one of them. Throwing throwing deep. And this group plays. This group has not experienced that situation at all. When it goes wrong, how will they bounce back? Because it will go wrong. Yeah, in an individual play if you're going on that. It's like a relief pitcher in baseball. You're going to blow a lead at some point, and how do you bounce back? You're going to give up a big pass play. How do you pull it together? So, I appreciated Morgan, the Scally man, announcing that and, and acknowledging that. Of course, if they're dominant in the front seven, it's going to make those guys' jobs a lot easier. Simply, of course, as you say. Simply, of course. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you can't dominate all the time, nope. every time. So, and I'm not sure the front seven is better than that front seven. That might have been certainly in a number of professionals, an all-time unit with all the guys, so many guys. So while I agree with you and Scally, I just don't think it's the point. Because the point on how happy... So Scally's off point? Well, no, because he can't talk about what the point is. 
Because he's on the because he's on the defensive side of the ball, and the point is, is the offense going to deliver? Well, the we point sat here not very, the point. Okay, thank you. We haven't <laughs> sat here very often and said, I can't believe the defense gave up forty whatever points and blew that game. But we have sat here and said, well, how come the offense couldn't get the ball in the end zone from the five yard line? How come they, they can't? Get, my get guess the, is they didn't get five yards. How come they didn't get the ball in the end zone from the one yard? Line? My guess is they didn't get a yard. I ain't no football savant. UCLA loss at home, Cal loss on the road. You love to recite history, man. You just have that stuff. You, you, you are a history guy. Look forward, man. What, All right, this could be the year. The Utes, the, the, we'll be in here talking about the Utes and how they uh, played that 49-48 game. Years ago against Cal, what does that have to do with this year? Red zone's been an issue. Multiple times, multiple years. The red zone's a big issue for a lot of offenses. It's like the hardest part of offense. Can you be at your best when the pressure's the greatest and there's the least room and you can't... The, the defense feels no pressure about getting beat over the top. And you get three points for getting down to the five-yard line and kicking a field goal, but if you get those last five yards to get that last yard and get in the end zone, you get four more points. Wow. It's a big deal. This is brand new knowledge. <laughs> well, then don't ask a stupid question. <laughs> Okay. Why would we care if about that? If that should you ever happen, why. you'll be the first to know. <laughs> you know why it's a big question. You're just being difficult. Yeah, but uh, what, what happened against Cal years ago has no bearing on this year. Uh, no bearing. No. Zero. Zippo. No. Ludwig wasn't calling plays. No. An inexperienced running back went the wrong way. It was blocked up. It could have been a touchdown. I, 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 They've got inexperienced players time on offense. On 2017. We've got... We're going to be watching inexperienced players on offense here. We've got a similar situation, possibly. Who's inexperienced? They're not playing any rookies. If you want to go history and be mired in the past, Zach Moss was a freshman. Yep. Nope. There won't be a perfect comparison. They're not? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) See what I did there? Smooth, I'm doing my quick. victory dance. I give it to you. Yeah, I spun 90 degrees. I give you. Dodged that and one. If, and if Moss would have done that, they would have scored. Good point. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. What do they do offensively? But you're just asking about every team, though. What are they going to be able to do offensively? It's not not any particular distinguishing factor between this team and a lot of teams. I think Oregon has that issue. SC, can they run the ball? <laughs> Will they ever even try? <laughs> we, but you're going to get down the five-yard yeah. line, and, it's and, and be you can't to go throw over the top and underneath and yada yep. yada and all those football terms, and the defense is going to put their hands in the dirt, and yeah, and you're going to try to chip lock off the edge on a three technique, and let me, I'm going to turn on page 16 <laughs> now. Uh, so, yeah, there are every, it's all sorts of questions, but the head coach, I don't remember him being as positive Except for 2019, and that team delivered. You went eight and one, best record ever. No team since they've gone to the 12 has gone nine and zero, and you won eight consecutive games, which is probably a record for longest winning streak within the conference. That is a high, high, extremely high standard. And he's setting the bar at that? I find that a little surprising. I'm more used to the Lou Holtzspiels, and we're playing the, the, the 24 Yankees. 
They just build up the opponent. The 27 Yankees. I'm the history major. I'll fix that. You did it on purpose. The 87 Dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) Or the 72 Dolphins. But yeah, okay. Right. Well, it was like almost 12 years apart between those two teams. (laughs) So I find it, honestly, I find it a little surprising that he is this strong. Now, I don't find it surprising once he made the statement, then asked subsequently, do you gonna are you gonna stand by it? The fact that he stands by it unless last Saturday, yeah, hundred percent. I don't find that surprising because that's who he is. Once he says something, he's not backing down. So I don't find that portion of it surprising, but I do find it surprising that he's been this strong. I assume I don't know because we're the media and we're holding microphones. And there's you know the game within the game being played. I assume he's throwing down the gauntlet for his team. This is I, how I love good it. you can be. Yeah, it's awesome. This is the bar you need to clear. Sure. You're, yeah. You're I a think good it's high great jumper. that he's doing it. You're a good high jumper. Mm-hmm. I'm not setting the bar at five feet. Right on. Yeah, I got you. I'm going to set the bar at seven feet. You are going to jump. Yeah, and I, I actually think that's it's a great move. I'm surprised by it to a degree. But I think it's a great move to say that. I love the fact that he's saying that. I would think it would be more along the lines. I had a wonderful conversation the other night with a BYU person, and that's more of the line of thinking that, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I know what he's going to say. He's, we can be pretty good this year. Just the way he said it. I love the way he said it because they have a quiet confidence. Team psychology, how you handle the team, how you challenge them, it's a big part of Urban Meyer's magic. And so every team's got its own personality and how it needs to be challenged to get the best results. You know, we don't know these guys. We're not in film rooms with them. We're not ha- we, we don't know what's going on in the building at 5.30 in the morning or whatever time it was. I drove by this morning. Did you really? Yeah, just to, just to check it out. See what those the only thing I know is they had that uh, plastic fox out there to scare away whatever wild animals, mm-hmm. and the thing scared Gary Anderson when he was running in the morning. Other than that, I got no idea what's going on at five thirty, but I know it scared Gary at five. I go there after sometimes after my workout. That a guy, you're the man. <laughs> the other guy who's the man is Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He joins us right now, and Andrew, Cambridge University did a study on the work that uh, you're doing at the Wasatch Medical Clinic, and what did you learn? Well, they did, and them plus about 50 others have studied it. The Cambridge study is interesting because they took a group of men with severe erectile dysfunction. They noted that those men were no longer getting any response from the pill. Um, So I'm assuming severe ED, I guess, but the pill wasn't working. Uh, Put them through our technology, the wave therapy, and then gauged results. Uh, increase in blood flow. In fact, I think they said every single guy in the test study received an increase in blood flow. So pretty cool stuff. This technology is working. It's helping guys get rid of the erectile dysfunction, get off the pill. It's doing it totally safely. I've never seen a side effect, never read about a side effect. Uh, A treatment only takes 10 minutes and you might need a few of them. So you also get results from patients, and you hear what they say. Now, obviously, there's not as much science involved with the patients, but does it just largely line up with what you heard from Cambridge it, and the uh, other studies? 
Yeah, we, we, you know, patient feedback is probably the best part of my job, talking to guys as they finish uh, the treatments. And I think that when things go well in the bedroom, they go well outside of the bedroom. So you see the intimacy, the relationship, overall happiness even improve when guys can turn back the clock. This is such an important part of life. I think it has a huge ripple effect. So you got a special offer right now for people who want to give you a call today. Yes, call now. Uh, leave your wallet at home. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor. No charge. The gift that produces powerful results in the bedroom. Very popular. Uh, that's free. And if you feel like you've got a need, uh, the testosterone is free at Wasatch Medical Clinic as well. Guys, you can call Wasatch Medical right now. 801-901-8000. Ask for the free offer. 801-901-8000. Told him you, tell him you heard it on The Zone. You'd like the free offer. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. DJ PK, time now to talk with one of our favorites. Kiss Chris Camerani joins us. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. So secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Chris, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Well, as usual, I'm confused and PK's trying to straighten me out, but I think it's really going to take you. <laughs> so <clears throat> you went to the Athletic and you were writing about the Utes. But then the Olympics came around, and you were writing a lot of features. Mm-hmm. But now you've written some youths. So are you uh, just staying, ver- staying versatile and valuable? Was that a temporary deal? Or are you, with the Olympics already only like, uh, I don't know, 18 months away or something to the Winter Games, you going to do both? What's, what's your deal? <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time somebody asked me that, DJ, I'd be a very rich man. Nice. Um, <laughs> My deal is is uh, my job has changed a little bit at The Athletic. I'm more of just a wide-ranging features writer, um, not hyper-focused to the local scene um, anymore. I kind of have the, the runway to pursue stories not only you know here in Utah, but nationally and internationally if I want to. Um, the, the story that ran yesterday was something that had been done for a few months, they just kind of wanted to hold it with the proximity of the college football calendar coming up. And yeah, so that, that is my deal. I'm, I'm still gainfully employed by the athletic, which is a great place for me to work. And luckily they've given me the pathway to do what I feel like I'm decent at. And yeah, I'm just a very privileged, lucky man. Well, Chris, you're not only decent at it, you're as good as there is at it, honestly. I mean, you're a storyteller of the truest form, so I can see why they'd have you do that. And I've told you this before. I think you're just absolutely marvelous at it, and it is your calling. And that's where you're going to get, they're going to get their most value, is to have you tell stories in print form. Because literally, I don't think I've read anybody better. So I'm glad that you're doing that, because it's what you should be doing, because you're so darn good at it. Um the thing that you spoke of, the story that ran, was the Colton Swan story, who's a linebacker coach. I assume that's the one you're talking about, the linebacker yeah. coach at the University of Utah, who went to Weber on a rodeo scholarship, I believe, and I don't even think that I knew that that existed until I saw that. And so tell us, uh, I think Swan's a great interview. Every time I've interviewed him, probably you know six or seven times, he's been there a couple years now. He's got a lot of energy, and he's direct, and he's quotable and articulate and all that. 
So I find it fascinating that he's still doing the rodeo. Tell us about that story. Well, first off, the check is in the mail. PK, I'm just dropping it <laughs> off. I'm out, in the, I'm out in the rain right now, just getting wet. Um, secondly, yeah, no, so uh, when, when Colton was hired uh, before the start of the 2019 season, that was around the time I was hired at The Athletic a few months later that summer. And back then, my full-time job was being the beat writer of the Utes. And, you know, your first first thing you should do is you should be, you know, reading up and researching on people that might have interesting stories. And sure enough, I go to Utah's website, and in his bio, it says that Colton Swan went to Weber State on a rodeo scholarship. And like you, I had no idea that that was even a possibility. So start kicking the tires with the SID department and, you know, say like his there an avenue that I could, you know, sit down in Colton and, and talk to him about what this era of his life was like. And I come to find out that that era is nowhere near over. He still <laughs> competes in team roping events across the Intermountain West any chance he gets um, every summer. And uh, this was actually a story that was targeted to be done in the summer of 2020. But as we know, COVID kind of derailed um, lots of lots of plans. So I had to keep this thing on the back burner for a while. And luckily enough, um, through the uh, cooperation of Colton and the SID department, we were able to kind of nail down an ideal time to go watch him compete. And it turns out I got to go to lovely Rock Springs, Wyoming. Great place. I would recommend visiting there 10 times out of 10 and got to kind of glean um, a lot about this guy who's a pretty unique person, not only a football coach that I think a lot of people believe is one of the, you know, really good young and up and coming assistant coaches on the West Coast, but also a guy who um, has a really fascinating backstory as an underdog from a small town in Idaho who kind of had to really work his way up uh, uh, not only the football scene, but also the rodeo scene as well. So I think it'd be a safe assumption then that the toughness that it takes to compete in rodeo and get uh, battered and bruised and all that kind of stuff translates well to linebackers coach. I mean, he was made to do this. I mean, listen, the the stories that I heard about this guy growing up, um, yes, the answer is yes. And I think there, there's a, uh, a differentiation between rodeo cowboys and actual cowboys. And I learned this because Colton told me this. There are cowboys who get to have, you know, the luxury of living the life that they get to travel around and and compete to win money um, in various disciplines on the rodeo circuit, which is tough. I get it. But there are also cowboys who grow up actually ranching and waking up at 3 a.m. and, you know, digging fence posts and resetting fence and all of this stuff that Colton did with his grandfather um, on his 10,000 acre farm in southwest Idaho growing up. So, like, Colton kind of had both um, experiences. He grew up understanding what it was like to run a, a cattle ranch, literally, um, with his grandfather and his brothers, but also, you know, translated a lot of that skill set to competing in high school rodeos in Idaho and eventually, um, you know, made it to Weber on a, on a rodeo scholarship. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you've never been to a rodeo, I think nothing against – I mean, football is different. I would say, like – you know, rodeo folk are, are, are tougher on the whole just because 
it's it's a very unforgiving lifestyle. It's not guaranteed. You 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 pull you pour so much time and effort and money into something that might not pay out. You know, you're you're gassing up your horse trailer, you're gassing up your truck, you're driving to basically any potential spot that can help you sustain a, a very unique lifestyle and frankly a, a dated lifestyle that we don't get to see that much anymore. So it was really really rad to be able to go out there and. <laughs> And, and see that this is very much still part of the culture of, of uh, this country. It was really cool. This changes subjects, uh, and I don't know what you can address on it, but I wanted to bring it up because as I've been following stuff with all this conference thing that's been going on with mm. the Texas and Oklahoma and a potential alliance uh, among these other conferences, what do you got? The 12, or no, the Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12. It seems like the Athletic is really, really committed to staying all over this stuff and mm-hmm. trying to find out as much information. And that's, from my perspective anyway, is what I've been able to observe. Uh, have you had conversations with people who are involved in this? Because it seems like they're doing a really good job of trying to keep abreast of all the news. Yeah, I mean, the the folks at the College Football Vertical at The Athletic has really kind of led the way, I think, in terms of covering the hard news side of this. You know, colleagues like Max Olson and Nicole Auerbach, Chris Vanini, all the way down to some of the beat writers in the Big 12 and SEC country, they've, they've just done a phenomenal job. And it's it's really cool to be able to see in real time because these folks are really, really good at what they do. And, um, you know, I think so much of this job usually normally is not easy, but, you know, there, there is a, there's a pattern that you fall into with seasons and, you know, ebbs and flows of, of news cycles. But this year with the NIL developments and then kind of the, the bombshell of Texas and Oklahoma leaving, so many of the folks at The Athletic have been tasked with really just kind of, you know, digging into the old hard news style uh, reporter chops. And they've, they've just done a phenomenal job doing it. And um, I, you know, haven't really been pulled into much of that yet. Maybe I will be later on down the line. I don't know. But from an outsider's perspective, it's, uh, it's something else to see. I mean, I think like, I, I, I guess the model is... <laughs> as much as college football fans want to believe that they're exactly like European soccer fans, because I know the crossover is so obvious. It's just, I think it's in a, a going to eventually become a pseudo Champions League style event where you are only really pitting the, the, the quote-unquote best of the best across the country with each other. And we're going to start seeing some angling soon, guys. I mean, sooner or later, everybody's going to put their chips on the table to try to attach themselves the tentacles are going to be out and it's going to be really interesting to see how this thing plays out well there's been a lot written about the four million games i the the game that can get four million viewers is a big event in college football well you have to have the best teams play the best teams to get that but if the best teams only play the best teams then suddenly you're going to have blue blood programs struggling to get to 500 so do you think the elite are really going to separate themselves or do you think the elite are going to make sure they play some big money games, maybe a few more than they have been. Maybe the sec playing 10 conference games was a little sign towards the future, but Hey, it's worth having uh, Illinois and uh, (laughs) Rutgers and Oregon state and uh, whoever else around 
because you need some W's. Yeah, yeah. I I think there's going to be a um, crossroads moment in that a lot of powerhouses are going to have to decide between payouts and, you know, competitive potential because we know that the cream of the crop, the the top, you know, 5%, your Bama's, your Georgia's, Ohio State's, Oklahoma's, Texas's, whomever, they're always going to be in the mix. But um, these other folks that you're bringing with you, what, I mean, I think, unfortunately, they just won't have as much, you know, saying power because they will just have been felt lucky enough to be brought along. And uh, unfortunately, I, I'm, I fear that that's going to be the case, but um, you make a great point. I mean, how are you going to sell to so many of these other fan bases that are, going to, that are going to, in theory, be involved when they're likely just brought along to be, I don't want to say kind of like the, the, the doormat for the rest of these powerhouses, but listen, guys, I, I think, especially in this country, we're obsessed with perennial winners. We have no concept of what it's like to really work hard for earning something, and that's why I think like the, the comparison to the, the European soccer model is so spot on is because over there, like you just feel lucky enough to be in the conversation. I mean, that, that is a win in of itself. Whereas here, if your team isn't competing to be a national champion every year, your fan base is so delusional that they're like, why should I care? I, I mean, I, I honestly think that most fan bases operate in that realm of logic. And I think it's a very flawed realm of logic, but it's a reality nonetheless. It's interesting to see what's going to happen to the Pac-12 as we know it, because one of the things that works against them, you know, financially and having to play these late games, I think going forward from a television perspective can actually possibly even save them because they do have that late window that they can utilize. But at the same time, I'm wondering, you know, the blue bloods that you speak of, the big dogs, so to speak, in the Pac-12 if they see, well, Texas and Oklahoma did something outrageous, what can we do? Is there a possibility of us maybe even forming their own little conglomeration, of, even if it's just four teams or whatever? I, you can, the possibilities are somewhat endless to a degree. Uh, what, do you, what is your thought as far as the future of the Pac-12? Because it seems like it can go in a number of different directions. Yeah, I mean, my colleague Max Olson reported last week that there have been talks between the Pac-12, Big Ten, and the ACC, and that, you know, they're very preliminary, but <laughs> all the cards are on the table, and um, I think it's a cliche and it's getting overused, but people just don't want to be left behind, and from a Pac-12's perspective, um, they're going to have to figure out, um, you know, how they can maintain staying power. I agree with you that maybe – a certain time slots work in their favor going forward. But I think there is also a world guys in which individual schools might be looking out for one a and one B and usually one a and one B are themselves. And um, there could be a world in which things splinter apart and I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, there, the pressure that is money and um, you know, attention, national attention, TV deals, just being included the feel of inclusion is going to be a very heavy draw for presidents and chancellors and, you know, boards across the Paxwell footprint. And um, we're just going to have to see how this thing plays out. So, so much for this whole collegiality thing, huh? 
That's gone. I mean, <laughs> I mean, did it ever really exist, though, guys? I mean, I think everybody was just faking it the whole time. Let's be honest. It, the, finally, the mask is, is ripped off. It, it took too long. There were too many decades in which we were pretending that we were all high and mighty. But no, I mean, at the end of the day, this thing was always about the, the dollar, the mighty dollar and who can get paid and who can compete. And the rea- I mean, like the NCAA is, you know, its own fallacy in and of itself. Well, we'll leave it right there, Chris. We have uh, appreciate having you on. Can you tell us what the next thing is or will that mess it up? Someone will mess up your story if everyone knows what you're working on. Uh, no, I mean, it's going to be everything like there will be some, you know, some NBA related, you know, big picture, you know, long form stuff in the near future. Um, really anything that I find interesting, I'll be able to kind of um, tackle and it will be a lot of random stuff. Like I'm not going anywhere. I'm still, you know, calling Salt Lake home. So when, when need be, I'll be pulled in. But um there will there will be stuff, and I'm sure that um, I will be lucky enough to be back on the show pretty soon. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. We appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. Chris Kimrani, you can read him in The Athletic. DJ and PK, we got Dick Harmon coming up, sports columnist for the Deseret News. He's going to be talking BYU football with us at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kalani, he checks the box in nearly every single category of what type of coach you want at BYU. 11-1 didn't get you an extension. When most coaches in an 11-1 season with three years left would have got some type of extension. There are certain coaches out there that just have looked at coaching at BYU as the be-all of all existence. And for them, if it is, that's great. But for other people, it's like, no, I want to get paid. I want to get paid market value. You, I want to get paid uh, and have an extension on par with my peers. I continue to ask the question of what does he need to do to truly be valued and loved there? And if it takes Tennessee coming in and being like, hey, we want you to come coach in the SEC, man, I think it'll be a similar outcome that we just saw with Bronco. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Salt Lake Bees open a six-game homestand against the Reno Aces tonight at Smith's Ballpark. Come out and support the Bees. It's better at the ballpark. Tickets are on sale now at SLBs.com. We have a four-pack of tickets to the game tonight for Caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. Doesn't really look like baseball weather out there right now, PK. It is coming down, but that field drains really quickly, so if it stops, Well, they, they just close the roof, too. The what, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We ain't that sophisticated around well, why, here. Why shouldn't we do that? Because think about it. You see these programs, they don't necessarily have an indoor facility, but they put up a bubble. Or they a tennis facility in the winter. Yeah. Just make one big enough to put one over the ballpark. Heck of a bubble. Yes. Why that's not? What, that's basically what the Pontiac Silverdome was before it was torn down. Been there. Uh, so, yeah, just invent that, man. Come on, BYU. What are you doing down there? As Gordon would say, down there. Down there. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's B's baseball. Why is this on BYU? <laughs> because that's where all the entrepreneurs are. Aha! <laughs> and they did have a thing a couple years ago where they were trying to invent a thing for Sun with their softball field. So, you know, why not just add to their list? You just put a big tarp over it and play ball. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Good. Let's do that. There would never be a rain out again. That'd be awesome. Get on that right away. Call a 12 for the bees. 855-340-ZONE. Call her 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. That's one of the things I've learned moving out here in the West. You know, back East, you get a, a day of rain and it might last all day. Maybe not. Depends. But here, we've seen many times at, at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning thinking, oh, geez. And then by 4 o'clock, it's beautiful. So what's happening now doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what will be happening tonight at 7 o'clock. No. It's kind of cool, this summer rainstorm, for sure. Cooling things off after a bunch of 100-degree days and a drought emptying all the lakes. Given all you news people just uh, they've been running, going to town on it. Man. Yeah. I was so Flooding everywhere. Channel 2. 215. I, I haven't watched Channel 2 since March 12th. I mean, this is an infamous day in my life. Uh, but I did peek to the last night just to see what was going on. Eastside Belt Route closed. Flooding in Murray. Huh. I'll be dipped, as my mother would say. <laughs> she really said that? Well, she would follow up in something else. <laughs> Gross. Better that you stop there. Uh-uh. We know where you're going anyway. Yeah. All right, so you uh, just got to quiz Chris Camrani on realignment. I think the uh, the one thing that should comfort fans who might be left behind, and who knows which way it'll go, anything can happen. But you talk to people around the USC program, and they want no part of those late-night starts. They are USC, and they do not want to play in that last time slot. They'll kick off at 6 o'clock on ABC. That's not beneath them. Well, that's but, 5 o'clock their time. Right. But that 8.30, 7.30, their time kickoff, not their favorite. Not their favorite at all, and they will complain about it. Doesn't seem that late to me. I mean, the, when do the Dodgers start? 7 o'clock? So 7.30, that big a deal? But yeah, but football lasts longer than baseball, usually. They can. I think they both go three hours. College football game can push four. I think it goes closer to four. Nobody seems to mind. <laughs> uh, Unless it starts at seven thirty. Well, right? yeah, and the weather sucks. So, right, yeah, you know, it's, it's a problem. LA usually does fine on the weather, but a three and a half hour game is still yeah, eleven but o'clock. Even in November, it can get it can get nippy and at SC night, people and are ocean breezes. SC alumni are traveling from all over the place. It's a big deal. They're not all right. That's down a big the, city. Yeah, they're yeah, not all right a, down the road in Santa Monica. No, most a lot of them are, are but not, not all of them. Most of them are in Newport. They'll tell you about that. <laughs> uh, so it's a little bit of a hike. Uh, yeah, I just wonder for the Pac-12 purposes. And that's really, it's not, I don't want to say it's all I care about, but it's certainly the highest priority of what I care about as a Pac-10 guy my whole adult life. You know, I it's like I can remember talking to Craig Bojack when the Big 8 or Big 12 way back, a couple years back, was thinking about imploding. He was nervous because of Kansas State, you know. You got a personal investment in that, and I'm sure he's concerned about it now, too, to see what happens with the, the two big dogs taking off. A, the, a, a number of ways you can go with this, and would the would SC and maybe in Oregon would they would they have the guts to to break off? You know, because the only if they had to, which means only if they really feel uh, like they're being left behind. Well, left they're already being left behind compared to the SEC, so they already are. That that's a fact. But what does this twelve team playoff mean? And to me, just getting in, I, that's not the goal if you're SC. No, the goal is to win it. Yeah, so. But right now, they, I don't think right now, and this could change, but right now, 
They don't blame the league. They don't blame the time zone. They don't blame the TV deal. They blame the head coach. Mm. Now, down the line... Yeah, but the, the head coach can't bring in more money. True. And so, money talks. I mean, if they blame the head coach and get rid of him, they're not getting rid of him. I think fans would like to, but the administration hasn't wanted to yet. You're right. But coach is also hired to be fired, so... Well, he'll be a fired at some time. point. Right. I, mean, I don't think time. he's going to have a 25-year run. Uh, they, they, Pretty much all of them are. Uh, so, I mean, I think Utah is going to be an exception here. I think Kyle will retire. I don't think he'll be canned. I think that, and I don't think they'll ask him to leave. I think he will leave on his own accord. I think he absolutely has a target date in mind, and we'll let him announce it in his own time frame. But I think he he knows what's ahead for him. And so and that's in a good position to be. And I think they'll transition to Morgan Scally at that point, too. Uh, I know that thing was taken away, but I think that was just a year. And we're a year plus past that. So they're in a good spot there. And that ain't good for him. You know, he'll have uh, he'll have a great run. I, I don't go back in the 30s and 40s and all that stuff. So I don't know what was there in the 20s. But in my mind, it'll be the best run ever at the University of Utah. And that's uh, consistency, and they've certainly, if you look at any program in the Pac-12, no one has been more consistent than Utah, for better or worse. I happen to think it's a lot for better rather than worse, but consistency of that program obviously has been there, which is why they receive universal respect. They are the most overrated, underrated program in college football. <laughs> of all the, so that means of all the underrated programs, they're the ones who shouldn't be, right? They're the is ones that, who receive the most praise. Is that the most overrated, underrated? I, so I, many I, people have said you're underrated that you're not underrated. I don't think they are. I don't think they are underrated. They're, they are so universally respected that to say they're disrespected is just an absolute joke. They, they are not. They're, they're praised constantly. Hardly anybody ever says a negative word about them. Uh, and, and that's because of a uh, part of Kyle is a, a lovable dude. And that Holly Rowe was up there yesterday. And what does he do? He goes over and hugs her. You know? On a day he wasn't supposed to talk. Guy's, guy's got it made, man. He's got everybody, all media in the palm of his hand. All of them, including well, me. Then, then why can't more people figure that out? Good question. Good question, man. Uh, Plenty of people willing to complain about the media, the way they're treated, stories that are written, what people say. Good question. But there's a formula on how to do it, so why not just execute the formula and (laughs) take a win? I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Take a victory. I I could start a consulting business on that. And it's not like I haven't talked. Mr. Entrepreneur. I like it. I'm not going to, but I could. It's not like I haven't spoken to him about it in all honesty about how to handle it and he's genius so their program is okay but you know the other coaches are going to come and go uh, i just wonder what's going to happen to the conference now klyovkov uh, seems to be a forward-thinking dude you know but he's still in the honeymoon period larry scott negotiating all that television stuff and yada yada he seemed everyone has a honeymoon period if, if you're getting ripped you know, in your first year, man, look out. <laughs> man overboard at that point. Uh, so, Klyovkov, what can he do? He's got that entertainment background, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt to see how he can do i got to do the same thing with coaches. Why wouldn't I do it with commissioners? Uh, and so, all the contacts that he has, what 
what do they finagle? What slice of the pie are they able to cut? What do they decide to go, do? It, it, it's fascinating to me to see what they're going to do. Because you pick up door one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And what was the old, um, let's, more well, let's still out there. Let's make a deal. Um, what's that guy? Wayne. He does that show. What's his name? Wayne. Wayne Brady. Yeah, Wayne Brady. He's an entertainer. Good entertainer. Yeah, he does that show where they got the three doors. Well, you you, you could probably have 25 doors now. You know, with all the possibilities. And I think they're going to have to do something. But I also believe there's no reason to just go jumping into stuff for the sake of, well, we got to do something. Let's do something. No. I like his approach. Spoke with him last month. As far as you know, they need to, they re- they need to be cautious, but they also need to be aggressive. Cautiously aggressive is a phrase you don't normally hear. That seems like an oxymoron, but I think it's in this case. I think it's accurate. I think the way it plays out in this case is you can do something aggressive, but you sign a six or eight year TV deal. You don't. You don't go. Oh, we're not going long term. You don't go ten, twelve, or fifteen. They're not doing that. No. No one's doing that anymore. That's over. Wasn't it like AAC has one to like 2035? It's the ACC. You sure? I think so. It's the ACC. When they what do the AAC has? I thought they have a long-term AAC one. AAC signed an eight- or nine-year one that's going to run through the end of this okay, decade. Okay, well, that seems like. outrageous for but the ACC to do that. The ACC did it as part of getting the ACC network set up with ESPN. Yeah. Well, and the grant of rights has also protected them, theoretically, against teams leaving. We'll see if someone can get around that. But Why don't we just have a contract with the grant of rights? Why do we use such stilted language? A contract. <laughs> the grant Even of rights. Even if the rights. contract is broken, <laughs> right. you can't have your money. Lawyers right. want to get paid, so they need to use the grant of rights. language. That's exactly what it is. Highfalutin language. I agree. Yeah, the contract says... And contracts are negotiated the, and renegotiated. The American Athletic Conference signed a 12-year deal. Which is still pretty long. Which it is. Because Klakoff said that the Pac-12 shouldn't have signed that. Right. To that length. He said, in retrospect, he wasn't blaming Larry because it seemed like the thing to do at the time. But he was saying that was wrong now. Right. And we see that's but wrong. But the Big Ten went with a shorter deal. It's going to pay off. And people are going to follow that. Now, the American is signed through 2033. And the ACC okay, yeah, through like 2035. All right. So those two are way out there. And I can see with the similar letters and the similar length of deals why you got them backwards. But it's pretty similar. The point is they are both way out there. And the Pac-12 coming up in uh, how many more years we got? Are three? we into three now? Yeah. I wouldn't expect, even though they're coming up so much later, that they would go as long as the AAC, which is 2033. The 12, you speak of. Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 I don't think so. I wouldn't be surprised. Six years. Everything changes with the NFL. Watch the NFL, because the NFL signed an 11-year deal, and the NFL is at a level even the SEC can only dream of. And oh, I honestly, sure. yeah. And I honestly think the SEC does dream of it. Well, the SEC is the NFL of college football. Right. But they'll have more power if they pull in another four to eight teams. At that point, they're really two leagues negotiating one massive team. Well, depending on who those teams are, too. They're only going to. The higher profile, the more the power. They're done bringing in Arkansas and South Carolina. I don't think they're making moves like that anymore. I don't even know if they want to bring in a Missouri again. I I think they're they're done hitting, swinging for singles and doubles. 
It's all about launch angle now for the SEC. If they add somebody, I think they're, they're going for a mega team. How far, geographically speaking? Ah, the $64 million question. I don't... Because they, they don't have to go that far. No. No, when you're in Kentucky... Well, you can get Clemson. Yeah, when you're in Kentucky, you're not that far from Ohio State and Michigan. And you're already in South Carolina and in Florida. Oh, you're not... You're two hours. Right. Tops. So, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Clemson, Florida State. The Lexington There's, media market... In, is Cincinnati. It's an hour and a half. It's Logan to Salt Lake. And they cover it yeah. extensively. Yeah. Cincinnati does. Absolutely. I have a friend who worked for the Cincinnati Inquirer, that, still does. Yeah, I had a friend who worked in Cincinnati TV, mm-hmm. and I would see her at NCAA tournaments mm-hmm. following both Cincinnati and Kentucky. And he was my editor at the Casa Grande Dispatch. Really? Yes. Nice. He was a Ohio guy, went out west, and then went back. And uh, you can look him up. His name's Peter Bronson. And he, I told him, I told him years ago, I, I emailed him one day. I said, hey, I never told you this, but when we were working in Casa Grande, you had a profound impact. You taught me the business. You taught me, and I was only there for a year, almost mm-hmm. literally to the day before I got out of jail. And, uh, got out of jail. <laughs> Locked up. <laughs> the state prison halfway Seemed between like Tucson and Phoenix. Yeah, actually, it is there. It's over in uh, Florence. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And I, I told him, I said, you, you, you really taught me as much as anybody taught me in this business. I, thought, I felt I owed it to him. And so, yeah. It, I'm really fascinated to see. To me, this potential change in landscape has the... A, a, a potential college football speaking wise to be earth shattering way more than just moving a couple of teams, Nebraska here, Colorado and Utah there, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, I think we're beyond that. Yeah. I think that they want to change the supply and demand feature here and have more power in the TV negotiations because, Hey, as long as we get one of the six big leagues or a player. Okay. So when there's three or four leagues, yeah, now the network's, really have to come to That you. will happen. I don't know in what shape or form, but it's going right. to happen. So I think what you need to root for, if you're a Pac-12 fan, is that instead of adding two teams here or there, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten find a way to pool their TV rights. Now, the bad news for the Pac-12 is they won't get 50% of the money. But the good news for a lot of people in the Pac-12 is that they won't be left out. And the good news for the people at the top of the Pac-12 is they keep the traditional rivalries alive, and they know they still stay at or near the top of the pile. Even when USC has a coach that the fan base doesn't like or trust, they're still in the top four teams in the league. And if they start merging, that might not be true anymore. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. BYU football coming up. Dick Harmon joins us, top of the hour. Stay with us. The Big Show Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Time for what's going on here on The Big Show. We check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. I look forward to this every day. What show do you like checking in with more? Oh, I can't pick between my children. Well, that's condescending. What do you mean condescending? Yeah, a little bit. Both shows can call you daddy. I didn't mean it literally. Don't get me wrong. I'm fine with that point of view that the other two shows are beneath us. But, I mean, <laughs> just surprised that it came out like that. The emphasis was on picking between equals, not on... Hey, I'm everyone's daddy. Pull that. (laughs) 
tricked me. Pulled out for sure. Oh, yeah, that's the promo. Catch the big show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Remember to listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. Question of the day, Kevin Durant. What's your opinion of the guy who led the U.S. to the gold medal at the Olympics and who won a couple championships with the Warriors and created a burner account and who got on a podcast with Draymond Green and two guys who got into a famous beef agreed that it wasn't their fault. It was the coach and the GM's fault. It wasn't their fault for having their beef. Yeah, and that's they're not two weak. grown men who should settle their own beef. If you and I get into a big old beef, is it, is it Scott Gerard's fault? I think it is, Scotty G. Well, I blame you. The, the role of management getting involved, they're ripping the management of getting involved. There was down Ryan Hatch down in Phoenix uh, probably geez, seven, eight years ago now. The two morning show guys darn near came to blows. Awesome. I think I played that for you. You did? Yeah. I mean, and they, I thought it was more than seven or eight years ago, but whatever. The point is, it's it. They're still they, doing the show. That's the point. Uh, it's over a long period of time, mm-hmm. they've been able to overcome it. And the station's maybe, maybe within ten years. The station's a powerhouse, and I talked to Hatch about it. And they're established. Yeah, and those guys, it was awkward. It made national news because the one guy's an ex NFL player, and the other dude's. Like, what are you going to hit me? <laughs> Go ahead, punch me. If you're going to make you feel like a man. <laughs> <laughs> and so Hatch got involved. He brought him into the office afterward. So you have two of your people that are arguing like that and then it happens it, it does happen and so that's you know scotty's had to deal with stuff uh everybody has to deal yeah, with but stuff. Did those two guys say oh it's the third guy's fault who wasn't no in the no room? no i got your point and yeah 100%, I, I just no. thought it was crazy well, the dran green except they can <laughs> they, they have can. leverage to do that although yes. it'd be interesting to see green is still on the warriors and he's blaming his essentially his two supervisors yeah one of whom we've already seen his uh, read his lips. I'm so tired of his bleep. <laughs> Steve Kerr caught on yeah, camera. Green is sort of like a, a poor, poor, poor man's Rodman. You know, he's pretty good at what he does. But you got to put up with some crap along the way. And he's going to play the victim. That's the thing, man. I didn't mind. I actually enjoyed the conversation. It went on for about 25 minutes. And just they talked about other stuff. Oh, big was Yeah, there was like three or four minutes of this thing. And I thought it was silly blaming other people. Years later, he left. Durant left. He left. The world. The world goes on. The the, the Warriors are not going to sh- close shop just because Kevin Durant left. Sean says Durant's only championships are joining an already championship team. A lot of people resent that. Justin says one of my students met him once and said he was super nice to him. That's my only reverence to him. He was a nice guy to a teenager who looked up to him. Okay. That's good. And yet the next post is terrible human being, fantastic basketball <laughs> specimen. <laughs> terrible I love human terrible being. human being. You don't takes. know what kind of human being you know, Kevin Durant is. At most, you know town. one or two percent of these guys' Jeez, lives. What a joke. Yeah. How could you possibly say that? 
a terrible human being. No way. It's social media and you get to throw that stuff out there and not be held accountable. It's just We have no idea what kind of human being Kevin Durant is. Oh, holy cow. Jeez. That's so outrageous. Joshua says, I have no respect for his attitude off the court, but I appreciate his ability to score Zero over respect anyone. Off the court. Zero respect off the court. He does nothing. He's just a, he is a burden on society the second he walks off the court. Dave. Lock him up. Dave. (laughs) Dave. Superstar good dude. Not perfect, but who is? No judge here. I like that one. Jake. Jazz fans would say no to him. Bull. (laughs) Next line. No what? Next line. Jazz management ignores jazz fans. Signs anyway. (laughs) They would say no to Kevin Durant. Get out of town. Come on. Oh, man. That's another thing that sounds good on social media. In real life, red carpet, cue up the marching band, fireworks. All right, it's time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys have been struggling with ED, and Andrew, you got a treatment, no pill, no injections, and no surgery. That's right. And uh, if you're struggling with ED, the first thing most guys think of is the pill. But maybe that uh, those days will be over. A recent study said this is the new standard of care for erectile dysfunction. Kind of think of what we do to a muscle in the gym. We break it down a little bit, build it up stronger. That's what the technology with pressure waves does to the blood vessels. So over a few treatments, you start to see more blood flow in the bedroom, where you want it, when you want it. Guys take less pill, then they can get off the pill. This has been a game changer for a lot of guys. And you may be thinking, I'm too young. I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 40s. Uh, It's not going so well in the bedroom, but I I just shouldn't be having this issue. You're more normal than you think. We treat guys in that age every single week, and they have seen great results. But why do guys want to talk to you and go public when they could privately just take a pill? Well, it's mostly because of the side effects or the lack of spontaneity. If the pill's working great, and I think maybe for some guys it does, I'd say keep doing it. If you don't enjoy it, you don't like the medication, you don't like the side effects, that's where the acoustic wave therapy comes in. And the pill, it goes after the symptoms. This goes after more of the root cause of the problem. You've got a special offer for people because people like deals. Yes, and this is a lot of free, gives you a chance to meet the doctor, see if you like the clinic. Uh, The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound is no charge. Uh, You'll get a gift. This is worth the trip, by the way. It produces powerful results in the bedroom. If you feel a little lethargic, uh, patients at Wasatch Medical get free testosterone as well. So it's a lot of value. Guys, you can call 801-901-8000. Get that deal right now. 801-901-8000. Tell them you heard it here on The Zone. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Dick Harmon, sports columnist for the Deseret News. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret, despite a couple days of rain, that Utah is still in extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Dick, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys? We're good. good. How are you? I'm, I'm 
the smoke is killing me. It's just killing me. It's cutting down everything you want to do outside. It really is, yes. And the rain will help with that, but then the rain has its own problems, apparently. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to get another radio, and we're going to talk sports. That's what we're going to do. What a good idea. All right. <laughs> so I'm uh, curious, as you hear another season, and, you know, why not be optimistic in the preseason? Because there's no point in being pessimistic and beating yourself up. But how much of the optimism that you're hearing you think is warranted? What have you heard that's on target, and where do you think it's maybe misplaced and overstated? Oh, man, that is a great question. Um, and multi-parts, too. Yeah, jump um, in anywhere you like. You get to ignore the part you don't like. Well, you know, I think the enthusiasm that Kalani has is probably real because he uh, he's put a, invested in a lot of recruits that he hasn't had the chance to coach until the last couple of years. And he's coming off 11-1, and one and they think they have uh, momentum off of a big bowl game in which uh, Jeff Grimes and uh, – uh, Eric and Mateos were not there, so basically some of the, the guys in the room were able to go and produce a great big bowl win, on, you know, on the road against uh, Central Florida. So I, I think the fact that they got in 12 games and a lot of other people didn't, I think he's, I think he's got depth and experience, and a lot of players were able to see playing time, and uh, I think all those things combined to, to put a positive spin on what he's trying to do out there with these guys. And the negative may be overblown is. It's going to be hard to replace Zach Wilson. Let's face it, this kid has a tremendous talent. Uh, uh, he, he's got a great arm. He was very accurate, and I think the accuracy is something that's going to be hard to be replaced by any replacement they have because Zach was simply that good. I do think there's a warranted uh, positivity in the fact that the running back core is all intact and back, and they're deep, and the wide receiver core maybe is deep and as talented as I've seen in and decades here in Provo in a tight end situation with uh, Isaac Rex, a guy that got 12 touchdown passes tied for the lead and the nation is back. So I, I think some of it is justified statistically and, and experience and performance based and others are just question marks that you have to wait and see what happens. How about the defensive backfield? It seems like they've got a lot, a lot more bodies, and the bodies that they have there are not guys that they sort of scooped up uh, because there may be a junior college kid who fell through the cracks or maybe like a Brian Logan who's a little on the small side. It seems that they actually have some potential players there. And so from that respect, uh, they might have some more talent across the board than they've had in a good while. You know, I, I think if I were to pick one thing that was going to surprise people and has surprised people and will, it's that what you just mentioned. I think uh, D'Angelo Mandel is a real player. Malik Moore, we've seen just the, the, the short time that we've been allowed to watch. He's a playmaker. Um, these are not small little corners like Brian Logan. These guys are all over six feet tall, uh, 5'11 at the least, uh, 180, 190 pounds. They can run. They're fast. Probably as good as man coverage uh, secondary as BYU's had in in a long, long time, maybe since 1996. So I think these guys will surprise you because they will be in position. Like Chris Wilcox, they do have size. They have range. Um, they're confident. I think uh, General Guilford's done a great job uh, along with uh, Ed, Ed Lamb and, and getting these guys specifically uh, with with the, uh, the the tangibles that you can measure, the size and the speed, and, and then develop them. And, and I think that would be probably the story of this team is that uh, the corners are probably better than a lot of people think BYU can do. So 
a lot of what you say about the secondary, I've heard there seems to be some consensus building around that. But the position group where there doesn't seem to be any consensus, I'm going to have to default to a PK position, which, of course, will lead PK to take a victory lap that will annoy me to no end. But nonetheless, that's <laughs> where we are. Uh, you know, he says, well, they, we'll find out on Saturdays. That's the great thing. And I guess that's where I'm going to find out about the defensive line because I don't hear any consensus on that. There are people who think it'll, it's going to be great. There are people who think it's going to be good. There are people who raise an eyebrow and wonder if it's going to be the team's Achilles heel. Which, where, where do you fall on the spectrum? Well, I, I think I'll, I'll add a little bit of a different uh, observation to that. It'll be different. So, you know, it, it'll be different in terms of its size uh, and mobility. You don't have a Karis Tong there that's going to plug up and take on two blockers and, 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 you know, push somebody back into the backfield so far that they knock down the quarterback, which he did a few times. But, but I think that they have some more agile athletes that can go around people. Uh, they're a little bit quicker. I think Tyler Batty, he only played four games, but he led the team in sacks, and he's a backup. I think Lorenzo Fotea, is the, he's got talent. Uh, Tinsi uh, Mahi, he's, he's good. Uh, he's got size. He's a great athlete. Um, Earl uh, Tuzo Mariner and uh, um, I think Uriah Luatea, Peyton Wilgar. Peyton Wilgar, I think, is going to surprise people. He'll play a little bit of defensive end. He's a linebacker, uh, but he's a player. Uh, I visited with his dad who lives in Las Vegas, played with BYU back in the 60s. Uh, the guy's got the bloodlines, and he is a playmate. You might remember, I think it was against Southern Cal, the interception that he made out in the flats. But I think they've got versatility, and they're different. I think that's the word that I would use, Dave, is that there's just going to be a different defensive line than BYU's had. And the, and the linebackers will be a big part of showing the four- or five-man front and being active in that front, front seven. So talk about Kalani and being extended and not being extended and you know how long they're going to let, let it play out. And I've had some people around the program, I'm sure you've had too, that have complained to an, to a degree is that uh, the administration lavishes love on Mark Pope and extends him before he even starts his second season. And Kalani, they sort of twisted in the wind, and and what are they going to do again there? Uh, and I'm wondering, how do you view this situation? Is it just a matter of getting around it, getting around to it, or they're not quite as sold on Kalani as they are as Pope? What's your take there? Well, I, I think it's more who's got the pocketbook. I, I, you know, that's a good observation. But you, you have Mark Pope being backed by the owner of the Utah Jazz, a good friend, a confident, a person that's put up money for him at Utah Valley and at BYU, and has given them about what they want. I mean, these two guys are buddies. But on the other hand, now you've got Kalani coming in with the guy with Bill Barr, uh, this Greer guy, and it's his buddy, and it's his good guy, and he's got a paycheck. Uh, uh, a pocketbook and that's pretty deep, and and so Kalani now has his guy in his corner that's developed over the last year, and coming up this Sunday with a big big blockbuster announcement. What you're seeing is is playing out uh, the money game, and so Kalani's finding his money guy, and he's got leverage now because of what's happened uh, with his friend and his connection, and uh, and I think that in time if this thing gets worked out, then that money guy's going to step up like Pope's guy stepped up and said, hey. Let's extend this guy, and I'm going to be the force behind it to help it, help make that happen. So I think the clock's ticking, the relationships are in place, and you got to play out a, a, a money game that just has one step that's already taken last week, and then the next step will come up. But definitely, I, th- I think in uh, talking to those who are very close to um, 
to Kalani is that he, he's approaching this with humility. He's saying, I haven't done anything yet. I've got, I've got to do something. I was working on a project with some family members this summer. I thought I had it pulled off, but when it came to Kalani, he put a kibosh on it. He says, no, because I haven't earned the right to do that. And so I think that's where Kalani's coming from, is that he wants to prove even more and then come in with his money back and say, okay, let's get it done. So you think basically that seven and six season two years ago is the one that's kind of the the mark that says he hasn't done anything yet because you've got you can't just win you have to win consistently and what could have been a ten win season with very little imagination ended up being a seven and six season. Yeah, and that happened for a lot of different reasons. I mean, there were some coaching issues, there were some recruit issues, there were some quarterback issues that I think people were strapped with and, and had to use. And then there were some injury issues. So there's a lot of reasons that probably were not Kalani's fault that that happened, but he takes responsibility for it. But, uh, you know, the 11-1, and one, that was a pretty good year last year. Went on extending. But I think that in his mind, and maybe in the mind of some people, there's some mechanisms that have to happen before they take that step forward. And I think they're in the works. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the money people because the fact is that if he puts together, say they go 9-3 and three this season, maybe even 10-2, and two, well, I think would probably be the best case scenario. For the sake of argument, uh, do that. There's going to be openings in the Pac-12. I mean, uh, Herm Edwards looks like he's on shaky ground. Who knows? There's a, guys move on. Guys get fired. So the point being, and certainly with Mark Pope, too, uh, the enthusiastic marketing machine that he is is just a, a genius in that regard, that they're going to have opportunities to move on. And BYU, in a just sort of a crazy way, has sort of prided itself in not uh, paying market value and so you could potentially lose either one or both of these guys, which would be a shame because it seems like they're set up for success. Do you think that at that point BYU is willing to up its game as far as salaries, not necessarily the literal going rate, but close to it? Well, I think they have to. I mean, if they want to keep in this game and keep things rolling as an independent, then they have to be. They have to have people. You know, in in charge, they're going to help them to do that. And I think the the best uh, probably case of that is the uh, female uh, non-LDS track uh, and cross-country coach that they elevated and gave her a title and more money and uh, made her one of the first non-LDS head coaches in recent memory. It's been a few years since that's happened, but they, they shifted gears. They stepped up and they did what they needed to do. And I think that they'll need to do that, yes. And I think that they have the people in place. You know, BYU's salary is going to be X. But, but the money comes from the outsiders and funds and the coaches circles and other things that build uh, the salaries that they need. Those, those are done uh, through different organizations connected to BYU but outside of BYU. And I think you've seen that with Polk, with the owner of the Utah Jazz, and you've seen that with Greer right now with the Built Bars and what he's done in funding literally every single BYU player in the program. So when you talk about those organizations uh, being outside, how much are they controlled by BYU? How much say does BYU have, and how much are they really freelancing? Oh, they, they have control. BYU is an organization that will not let an outside entity control what they do. So there's a bridge there. There are people that are liaisons, and there's lawyers involved, that, uh, you know, and the Board of Trustees has to approve it. Um, but but the, the salary that BYU has is, is just X amount, and that's probably basic. And, you know, you can grow that a little bit here and there, but the outside money 
which is under control, um, you know, that is what determines the amount that you're going to keep a coach with. How about the assistants, too? We had Reno Mahe on the other day, and we're talking about BYU underpaying notoriously, and he basically laughed and said, yeah, no kidding. Uh, Do you think they can increase that pool, too? Yeah, but I I think when you talk to Reno and you talk to anybody on that staff at that particular time, they were in a situation where they were not paid very well at all. So you're talking about a different universe. Um, After that seven-win season, after the struggles that they had when they brought in Jeff Grimes, and he was able to bring in who he wanted to. That that shifted gears a bit. So when you peek into that history with that group, that's a whole different story. Dick Harmon joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Deseret News uh, columnist and spends a lot of time covering BYU athletics. So I'm, I'm curious if you think the O-line has gotten back to a place where you remember it when – you were just getting started, and they seemed like they cranked out an NFL draft pick every year. And if not every year, then every other year. And because they dominated that phase of the game, I know the schedule was lighter, but because they dominated that phase of the game, it made everything else a lot easier. Are they getting back to that? Well, I think the measurables are there. Kalani, when he first came, he says, we've got to be more physical. He he ran into a team that just wasn't very physical, so he changed the Excuse me. The, not only the recruiting targets, but the measurables and the frames, and then he uh, tasked his uh, conditioning staff with making them stronger by doing a lot of uh, lower body work and the core and the squats and and the weights and, and those things have increased over the last three or four years to the point where they they hit a target uh, area. I mean, you look at the the tackle right now. You look at Blake uh, Freeland. He's six foot eight, three hundred and four pounds. Look at the other uh, tackle, Harris Lachance at Utah. Had a little bit of a go around. He's six eight, three hundred. James Empty has been an All American since he he came back from his mission as a freshman. Clark Barrington, uh, another big guy. Uh, Connor Pay hasn't played a lot, but <coughs> the smoke. Um, but yeah, I think what they've got is a prototype BYU big offensive lineman that they're trying to get their footwork and their techniques down to where they can protect and they can dominate and they can be more of a physical force and impose their will on other people. I don't think that was the case three or four years ago. I don't think they could do that. Well, we're going to let you go get a drink of water right now, Dick. you gotta, <laughs> you got to regain your equilibrium there. We feel like we're finishing you off here. And that's not our goal. We want to have you back on. It's bad out there. What's going on with you California people getting all this smoke over here? Patrick, can't we blame the Californians for all this? Yes, absolutely, especially natives, not the ones who just moved there later for work. (laughs) Yeah. Way to cut me out of the herd, (laughs) cowboy. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right. You do a great job. Fun to listen to and, and the best. Thank you, Dick. All right, DJ and PK, there is Dick Harmon, sports columnist for the Deseret News. I didn't want his blood on my hands. Get him a drink of water. <laughs> Quickly. I, I need a drink of water, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> my throat's getting a little tight. Just listen to that. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, we'll get you up to speed on a lot of stuff we talked about today, including 
long-term conference realignment with Chris Camrani and where the Pac-12 is headed. We'll get to that in just a second. Right now, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhart with Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, the studies keep piling up, but you're not really going to top Cambridge University. I mean, that just sounds cool. <laughs> it does. That was, let's see, a 2017 or a 2018, I forget, clinical study. They took a group of men with erectile dysfunction that were no longer getting any result from pills. So I'm kind of assuming older gentlemen, maybe health conditions, uh, put them through the technology, our wave therapy. It opened up and regrew the blood vessels and resulted in increases in blood flow in all of them. So cool. Uh, erectile dysfunction is a lack of blood flow. Our technology corrects it. The big attraction is no pills. And then there's been a lot of others. Journal of Sexual Medicine and several others have studied it and found similar findings. The Journal of Sexual Medicine or Cambridge University. You make mm-hmm. the call. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. All right. So you've got uh, you, you've met with enough guys now that you really see the top causes of ED. You know why this is happening. And for guys who are asking the question, why is this happening to me? Yeah. Well, you have the answers. I think the American lifestyle overall is not helping any of us, frankly, the way we eat and live. But uh, prostate cancer, diabetes are some of the the top two that we see. Um, it's more normal than you think. Injuries. We have healthy guys in here in their 30s every week. Uh, I think you're more normal than you think if you're struggling. And you've got a special offer for people who get a hold of you right now at 801-901-8000. Yes. uh, You've got questions about your health, why you've got ED, of course. You'll meet with our doctor for free. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound for free. And you get the gift, very popular, that produces powerful results in the bedroom basically immediate results, uh, it's all totally no charge. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call Wasatch Medical. 801-901-8000. Call Andrew now. Tell him the zone sent you at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the... The best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK, you know what the definition of optimism is? Uh, Waking up and looking at PK in the mirror every morning. That's one. (laughs) And number two, giving away beast tickets when it's been raining pretty hard for 24 hours. It's raining right now. It stopped? Yeah, it's not Sweet. Salt Lake Bees open a six-game homestand with Arena Aces tonight at Smith's Ballpark. Come out and support the Bees. It's better at the ballpark. Tickets on sale now at SLBs.com. We got a four-pack of tickets to the game tonight for Caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE for Caller number 12. And, all joking aside, what do you think? Like two hours without rain before the game, and that field will be dry and ready to go. That field dries out really quick. They put a lot of a lot of work and a lot of money. Bring in the helicopters and no, <laughs> the Channel Two chopper, sand and gravel and peat moss and pipes and trenches, and they get the water off that field pretty quick. Oh yeah, I'll go over there and help them. 
Squeegee some of it out, yeah. <laughs> Squeegee it out. All right, time to keep get people up to date. Three hours and 33 minutes of the show in the books. 27 minutes to go. If there is one thing you'd like to notify a 9 o'clock listener of, one piece of information you picked up along the way during today's show, what would it be? Today? Yeah. You're nuts. That's not new information. So I said something new. <laughs> My level of craziness has been well established. Yach has multiple drops in there that he's good enough not to play right now. He's good enough not to play right now. Oh, Debbie. Dick Harmon saying it was all about uh, recruiting a, uh, a booster. Playing. <laughs> Yach, you're a terrible human being. Like Kevin Durant. Retail places to get the ultra big flag to what? call uh, the ultra big flag. <laughs> and then Yach signed with the Warriors, even though they won 73 games. Uh, you don't really sound like a Debbie. Well, I did one, one for a long time. time. And then he did a podcast, and he blamed the coach and the GM, even though he was the one popping off and creating 50% of the drama, taking 0% of the responsibility. Oh, those NBA guys. What They're happens all... first? Look into your crystal balls. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's underrated right there. All brass, baby. <laughs> Oh, you crack me up, man. (laughs) Took 20 years to assemble all of these. (laughs) Is Jacques on the phone against his face? Yeah, he is. The The Marshall Falk one was you to a T. I really didn't get it. Pure as a driven snow, people. No matter what you've heard or suspect, pure as the driven snow. And that is my proof. We'll have him play that one when he gets off the phone. I don't know what he's doing on there. He's looking pretty serious. He's going to go on. Now he's typing in the computer. Yeah. I don't oh, he's taking bees tickets. This is usually yeah, that's what oh, it could yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's a, that's the winner. Uh, so that's all right. We'll give there. the people one thing before y'all can go back to playing. <laughs> well, Kevin Durant, you know, you're never going to solve that. As far as well, you chased a title and you got a title, and so it doesn't count. You might as well not even address it because you're never going to solve it. People are going to think what they think. And that, that's one thing. I, the other day when you were gone, we were talking, I was talking with Gordon. And somebody said, oh, you're accusing me of being a homer. And I said, I could call you a quadruple tuplet uh, whatever phrase number out there, axe murderer. And you would think, if I called you a homer, that that's worse than that. And I, people are going to think what they think. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You can't control people and what they think. So why try to chase that and try to get ahead of it? Because hey, you're thought of that you got a title and you gravy trained it. Well, you were really good. And who's to say they would have won without you again? We don't know that. So it seems like it's just a waste of time. And, and those two had that argument. I think the rest of the world looks at it. Oh, they had an on-court argument. Shaq and Kobe argued for years. Mm-hmm. So what? <laughs> well, it ended a dynasty that we all think had the potential to provide them. But we don't know four, that. It, five, six, see, we don't know that it ended don't. it though. Was he of, going to go either way? Was Jerry Buss only going to pay one of them, no matter what? 
Well, I'm talking about Durant, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, well, there's always variables in everything. So, would Durant have won if he stayed in Oklahoma City? Would the Warriors have won two more? <laughs> See, the thing is that blah, no matter blah, what blah, people blah, think, yeah. the way it works, if Durant wins a title or two in Brooklyn, then it's like... The asterisk title with the Spurs, I, I, and that just all blends away. But I don't think Kevin Durant is one of the greatest players of all time. He'll go down as one of the greatest players. If he retired today, he'd go down as one of the greatest players of all time. That's just the he's fortunate enough to be blessed. And that was a fascinating thing that I uh, heard him talk about. This other stuff, Draymond Green repeatedly plays the victim. Nobody understands him, and it's everybody else's fault. Right, we, I, this is not new from him. I don't care. I like him as a ball player. He had a triple double in which he scored two points. I think, to me, that says it all about the value of Draymond Green as a ball player. All this other stuff. These guys. These guys are basically young guys, and so what's their perspective? I don't really care. I just like watching Draymond Green commit himself to do whatever it takes to win. That's why I'm a Draymond Green fan. So, but listening Durant to talk about how he kept growing and growing and growing, and he wouldn't stop growing until he was seven feet, and how you know he was taught, and he talked about who taught him to play ball, and how he was smaller, and what he played because he was skinny, and he talked about well. Skinny guys, you know, we didn't play him in the post. And Draymond was talking about, he grew up in Saginaw, okay? My nephew played Saginaw State. It's in, obviously, Michigan. I got family there. So I know a little bit about the community. And he was talking about, he's always the tallest guy, so they stuck him at center, even though he wasn't a center. And Durant was saying how, well, he played outside because he didn't hit his growth spurt, and then when he hit it, he just kept going. <laughs> but he'd already been ticketed as a perimeter guy. Yeah, yeah. He'd be a guard, have some ball handling skills. Right. Because you don't have a lot of size. And so how he developed his game and why he went to the University of Texas and all that, that's what I found interesting. Not these other guys whining that these two old white dudes, uh, they blame them. Whatever. They had an f- argument on the court. So what? Robert Ory once threw a towel on Danny Ainge's face. Yeah, good times. You know, I mean, that's not cool. And Robert Ory, nobody, nobody's looking at Robert Ory now. Jeez, why'd you do that? It was a dumb thing to do, for sure. You, there's no way you should be doing that. But Robert Ory got past it. And things happen as far as that goes. So if I'm Durant... I don't answer any of that stuff. If I'm Steve Kerr or Bob Myers, I don't answer it either. I just that's what they think. Good for them. Next. <laughs> what does that have to do with this season? Not much. You know? <laughs> Not much at all. Right. So Durant's gone, he's in the other conference. Draymond's there and he's been a pain in the butt for multiple reasons. But he helps then. you win. So you put up with it. Keep grinding ahead. Because once you start grinding backwards and trying to change history, because there's no way you're going to get people come to a universal conclusion. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, I understand that. That's reasonable. Thank you. Doesn't matter. Just keep forging. Keep plowing ahead. Life's a grind. And keep working. And for the Warriors, Myers, and Kerr, keep working to get your team better. Because you could be pretty good this season. You know, See, see what you got here. And for Durant... I don't think you're ever going to quiet the critics because there's going to be something because suppose he wins a title and LeBron sprains an ankle. Oh, well, yeah, but <laughs> you know what I mean? How many guys have 
don't have yeah buts. Mm. Jordan. <laughs> Shaq. Shaq, no. I think Shaq, a has a, Shaq has a big butt, and <laughs> that's, that's just problem. it. That's the problem. Because he's way bigger yeah. than everybody. No one questions the legitimacy of his four titles. What they say is you could add five, six, or seven. Okay. That's the yeah, but to or Shaq. Or they say, yeah, well, you just overpowered everybody. The good I could Lord have won blessed the, you with I could have won the titles at 7-2-350 if I, had, if I were 7-2-350. Yeah, I just... Man, I just no one could to guard him. I remember talking Doliak guarding him. He's, he's like guarding a wall. I mean, it's this guy's the strongest ox ever. So there's there's that. Uh, I, Duncan, I, yeah, but I mean, I'm just going to hit you with the best. Yeah, there's a few with the That's most what I'm championships. Saying. I'm yeah. saying there's the a guys, few like Shaq and Don, Duncan basically won every title for a decade, with the one by the Pistons being the outlier. I don't think Jordan has any yeah buts. Yeah, agreed. Pimpin's a good player. I'll give you that. But then everybody else, they're all role so players. Magic, Every single other player is a role player. Magic, Bird, Jordan, Shaq, Duncan, Kobe, LeBron. I think Kobe has it with, I think it's bogus, but I think you can make the argument that he, well, he had Shaq and then, yeah, they, he was sucking and then they went and got Gasol. Even though Gasol had never done anything. (laughs) It is remarkable that um, Wade and Kobe, who are both just excellent players, in their prime didn't have a running mate, didn't have a tag team partner. And so we're, I have to go back and look, but six, seven, eight, nine. Now, before their prime, and arguably maybe even a little after their prime, they were good enough to win championships. Kobe was probably still in his prime. I can't probably, I really can't tell you who was after his prime. After his prime, he did win a championship. But you get the point. In the middle, after they'd already won titles, when they should have been at the height of their powers, their team was struggling because it is a team game. As much as the stars are celebrities, and that's what we all flock to. It's well, you need game. somebody. Right. It's just how big of a star you are determines how big, how of, a big star of a star they, star they or how much, how. Where do they fall on the star scale? Uh, Kobe and Gasol, two guys who were by themselves in seventh and eighth, get together and win two titles. Yeah, and then plus two, you have to see who's on the other side, you know? Who are you going through? Who are you going through in your own bracket, and then who's on the other side of the bracket? Because... I, I can make a case Bird's got three, but I can make a case easily he should have more. But they had to run into the Lakers on the other side of the bracket, the greatest team of all time. And I can make a case the Jazz. We'd, we'd be looking out right now at a banner. But they had to go through the greatest team of all time in 1988. So Duncan's sitting on five, but if he hadn't had to go through Shaq and Kobe and through LeBron and the super team in Miami, he might be sitting on six, seven, He might eight. be, but... At that point, you're just wallowing in riches. So yeah, but I like to watch that. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> I love the chasing history thing. I love the counting of rings. Sure, but... I get it's not perfect. I do. And for all the reasons you just pointed out, who are you going against? Yes, and then you've got to have, whether it's good fortune, luck, timing... All or, sorts of maybe stuff. Maybe Grant Hill should have been mentioned in all this, but his, his injury luck was horrific. It was horrific. Oh, yeah. Best player wrecked by injuries 
Oh, there's a whole bunch. Right. But who's the best? Of all time? I mean, you're catching me off guard here. Bill Walton. But he still won two titles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But Grant Hill. No titles. Could have been awesome. Uh, Bill Walton, if anything, had a little more health than Grant Hill. (laughs) It's hard to believe. Greg Oden. We'll never know. We'll never know. You're right. And to an extent, Brandon Roy, the same franchise. Yeah. Had to step aside. They've had really bad luck with injuries. Yeah. In, uh, he was just getting battered. He couldn't, he couldn't find Maybe a way Sam to Bowie get Maybe would have been an awesome NBA player. Mike Conley. Now Jazz fans are tearing up. <laughs> Why'd you do that? Why'd you have to go and hurt me? Yeah, who knows what would have happened just as recently as a couple of months ago. It's not beyond the realm to say if he was able to play... It's not beyond the realm, man. I get it. It's it's somewhat torturous, and we'll never know. But they had it going on, so who who knows? I don't know. I can't I can't say I can't say that. I can't say it either way. But yeah, that that's why the, the longer I'm into this business and I've been in it a good long while, the less I criticize guys for not winning it. Because you realize all the things that go wrong as you watch things go wrong with people who've already have your respect? So many factors that lead you to get there, that things have to go your way that are just totally out of your control. I mean, for instance, I can make an argument in 1988, the Jazz were the second best team in the league. Lakers won it all, beat three teams in seven game series. The Jazz, the Mavericks, and the Pistons. Pistons would have a strong argument for being the second-best team in the league. I got it. But maybe the Jazz could have taken them. I, mean, I guess we can go back and look at those two regular season games. Did the Pistons win them by, both by 30? I have no idea. Me neither. Did the Jazz win them both by 30? Because anything else... If you knew that off the top of your head, I'd smack you. I don't have any... I don't, I've never even considered it. But we know what I'm doing during the commercial break. The answer's coming up next. And so if one turned ankle to one of those critical Laker Hall of Famers well, the comes Pistons, up in that series. The Pistons would say that Isaiah twisted his ankle. I, I got it. In, in the third, end of the third quarter. Right. So then the Jazz would have beat the Pistons because Isaiah twisted his ankle in the, end of the third quarter. <laughs> you can argue anything. You're the best. That's what that I'm saying. Non-stop. Exactly. So they would have won that series. You know, you know at the park, those little merry-go-round, little mini spinny things they have, uh-huh. like two, four, six kids get on them, yeah. and they can just spin them. Arguing with you is like being on one of those things right after you ate potato salad on a 105-degree oh, day. Gross, 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 man. That's what it's like. All right, when we come back, your feedback and the answer to that Jazz regular season 88 thing. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Question of the day. (laughs) Question of the day is all about Kevin Durant. Freak of nature, K. Riss says. Second only to Steph, in my opinion, of must watch, all caps, must watch basketball. As a person, don't know him. No opinion there. I think there's several guys I want to see play. 
Sausage yeah. comes to mind. Mitchell, right here locally. Uh, Kawhi, Kawhi and LeBron, or the whole LA thing, just turns everybody in the West off. Uh, I don't know that it necessarily turns me off, uh, but I can appreciate LeBron because there's less time than more time. He's been fun to watch for a long time, mm-hmm. but it's got to be ticking down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're you're seeing the end of an individual superstar era. And that always, especially when it's literally at the end, I'm not there with LeBron yet because he's not there, but when it literally becomes his time, like Kobe, you know, he announced his retirement like they normally do, and that end, that was sort of sad. And Mark's, I can remember literally stand, sitting in this building, interviewing him as a 17, 18-year-old kid. I had set it up with the Lakers. And they gave me a one-on-one his rookie year, and I walk into the visitor's locker room, and there he is sitting on the concrete slab and shakes my hand, talks to me like he's a 35-year-old guy, and I was just extremely impressed. And now, going forward, watching him at the end, it was over. Little did I know, obviously, what was going to be ahead in a few years, the ultimate tragedy. Uh, But I was sort of sad, and I, I would feel that same way for everybody. It marks the passage of time. I'm a guy who gets melancholy at the last out of the World Series every year. Tick-tock. And and plus we got winter coming. And um, college football in our community, we build it up so much. It's such a big deal. And then it flies by. And before you know it, we're at Thanksgiving. Fortunately, we concluded with the ultimate rivalry, Utah and Colorado. (laughs) Boy, if there's one thing that's really changed... Ending the season with Utah BYU was such a big deal. It is so different now. <laughs> it is so different. Well, this year is going to be sweet because you're going to have BYU SC with the playoffs on the line. For which school? Yes, both. Oh, That's what I'm talking about, man. Nice. <laughs> Couple of one loss teams in an elimination game. I see where you're going. Although the, the Trojans would have another game, they would. Because they would play, if, if that were the case, they would play the following week in the Pac-12 title game. Elaine answered the question, what's your opinion of Kevin Durant? Extremely talented basketball player, but very thin-skinned and insecure. There seems to be a degree of truth there since he's creating burner accounts for reasons I don't understand. Jeff says, of course PK knows someone from Saginaw and Saginaw High School. I don't. Saginaw, the, the university there. The university, not the I don't know school. anybody... From the actual high school, Dr- Draymond grew up there. I'm just saying I have a little bit of a familiarity with the community, but I don't know anybody from there unless me and Draymond we're not we're not boys. Although we can be one day, <laughs> just you and Draymond just hanging out talking hoop. I can see it. That'd be fun, actually. I-, I love the fact that he's outspoken. I may not always agree with what he says, but I love the fact that he's willing to say stuff. I do believe one day you'll get to see him on that TNT show. He's younger than those guys, so he can't go forever. And he's setting himself up. He's already Yeah, but I can't go forever, so when they die, I might die. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) My grandmother-in-law used to tell my... Grandmother-in-law? Yeah, used to tell my (laughs) mother-in-law, so my mother-in-law's mom would tell her, (laughs) I'm too mean to die. Yeah, but my mother's dead, so... Uh, so you to... <laughs> finally shot a hole in that theory? I mean, it sounded good, and it held for a long time, but... It was a shocker. 
All right, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic, joining us to tell you about a breakthrough treatment. No pill, no injections, no surgery, but can address your ED issues. Andrew, what can you tell us about it? That's right. We're talking about no side effects, no pills, no injections. And I tell guys this often, uh, what would your relationship look like two to three weeks from now if there were more blood flow in this part of the body? more intimacy, more frequency, and less pills or no pills. Pretty great things. I'm finding that when things go well in the bedroom, they go well outside the bedroom. This has a ripple effect on life, happiness, and the relationship. And Wasatch Medical Clinic's technology is clinically proven to increase blood flow. So we're seeing a lot of great things for men that have struggled. So Cambridge University did a study, and there have been dozens of other studies done. What did Cambridge say, and what did the other studies uh, back up about that? That's right. Uh, we're approaching 50 clinical studies. They're post, uh, posted at wasatchmedicalclinic.com. They basically all conclude the same thing in a different way. This is probably the future of treating ED. It addresses the root cause instead of symptoms. It's safe. There's no side effects. Uh, and it can work even for men with severe erectile dysfunction. Um, it's pretty fascinating stuff. You can go to the website and click on the science page to read all of those. And you've got a special deal for people who call right now. Yes. Uh, last segment of the day, um, the assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor, totally free. That gift that I don't think I've ever seen fail, it produces powerful results in the bedroom. Uh, all of it is totally no charge. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call Wasatch Medical. If you want to put a stop to your ED, call Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. Ask for the special offer you heard on the zone. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it today.